0: In this, the third episode of Pixel Gaiden, Eric tells us about his gaming history. Cody rants on Nintendo. We discuss six good PC Engine games. Cody buys a pocket chip and plays Chrono Trigger. What on earth is a feely? The first $100 Saturn edition. Eric talks about upgrading old computers. Cody tries to follow along. And we drink warm beer.
1: How about Done? Stay a while. Stay forever. Welcome to Picto Guy Day. Introducing your hosts, Eric Nelson and Corey Hoffman.
0: All right, Eric. We are back with our third episode. How are you feeling about that? Feeling, feeling good about it. Feeling really good. I feel like uh, we have to try to keep the energy up after the intro, like we're uh, like a boxer or something coming down the aisle. <laughs> and um, that's right. I will. I will mention uh, real quick. Our first episode compared to our second episode, we did get some feedback on that and uh, uh, even though they were literally recorded an hour apart yeah. second episode much better
2: <laughs> right yeah and i i have to agree with that
0: the uh, the awkwardness was palpable yep that's all right that's the episode we knew was going to be terrible um it wasn't terrible but
2: it's like the first throwaway pancake right throw that
0: oh that is a good point i never thought of it yeah. that way but you are you are correct <laughs> All right. Well, since we started our third episode here, uh, we need to go before uh, you know we talk about anything else and open our beers. Yeah, because so yeah, you right, went ahead and brought uh, the first beer of the evening here. Yep. You you assumed I might have tried this before.
2: I assume so, but uh, I shouldn't have assumed. It's a uh, Hobgoblin by uh, Witchwood Brewery, favorite of mine from the UK.
0: And being a uh, fantasy nerd myself, the art on this thing is perfect. Yeah. English yeah. ruby beer. I've never had a ruby beer. Yeah. So, as usual, we are pouring this, um, into a, it is a British beer, therefore a warm glass. That's right. <laughs> uh, the, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. glasses that I, that I procured. All right. So you said there's one of your favorites.
2: Yeah. I do like this one a lot. It has a lot of head. Yes.
0: <laughs> I'll get to it eventually here. Um, Again, we'll just kind of. How about this? We just spatter uh, the feedback we've gotten throughout the show when it comes available. My buddy said you need to talk more about the beer. If you're going to talk about the beer, drink the beer. Don't just say that was good.
2: Okay. All right. That's so fair.
0: Let, let's let, let's get some notes here. Cheers. Hmm. Cheers. That's yes, good call. Good call. So that sound was me bashing the glass into my teeth.
2: Yeah, that's not a good way to drink it.
0: That is good. That is. Um, I'll say malty and caramely.
2: Yes. So those those are. Uh... That's what I would, um, that's how I would describe it too. Um, it's kind of like an ESB, kind of like the Fuller's ESB. Um, but I like this one a lot. They they have another one. What is it called? So there's Hobgoblin, and then there's there's Goblin King. There's one called Goblin King, and it's uh, a stronger, more uh, I don't want to say flavorful beer, but it's uh, it's it's a little more to take. This one's a little more yeah. smooth, yeah. This
0: is more drinkable, yeah, as we would advertise it here in the United States. <clears throat> yep. It's a very drinkable beer.
2: But this is the first time I've I've seen it in these tall boy uh, aluminum cans. Yeah, these are
0: nice. I get four free ounces, as far as I'm concerned.
2: Yeah, I usually get them in bottles, and the bottles are bigger. They're the bigger 20-ounce bottles, I think.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and give my Siskel and Ebert... Thumb up
2: You got the thumbs up Alright I,
0: I agree with that. I picked one. a good one The one uh, I will bring out Another one later In the show here I don't know I'm, I I have my opinion I tried it already I did have one earlier Okay I'm gonna see What your opinion is I've already yeah. made My opinion but Alright Well let's go ahead And jump right into Catching up here Catching up
1: With Eric And Cody
0: So Eric While you drink this beer And take a sip I'm gonna act Right now We'll go Go what do you do <laughs> All right. <laughs> As he has a mouthful of beer, I was trying to get him on the spot there. What's been going on the last 30 days?
2: Yeah, um, it's a, it's amazing how busy things are. I don't know if it's, you've got the same thing going with your family, but I've got so much going on with the kids playing soccer and kids refereeing and this and that. It's been a hard time to fit a lot of gaming in, but I have. I did take my Atari 800XL out of the bin. And um with the bin, like with a box or? yeah well I have a uh, I have these giant plastic boxes Chubs. I keep in the closet because I can't keep all my computers and game consoles out all at once so I pulled that out and you know one thing I really like about the Atari computers is you almost can forego buying all the eight-bit um, the 8-bit uh, game consoles because you can run them all on the computer and that way you have a computer and a game console but I pulled that out and I realized because I wanted to try a couple of new games on it that um, some people have made. One was Time Pilot, another one's Bosconian. Those are uh, arcade ports. Yep.
0: And we talked uh, about ports last episode.
2: Yep. So I, I cool pull- that
0: people make them. I don't get it, but cool that people like to make them and sure. you enjoy them
2: yep and i enjoy them quite a bit and uh th- these two are very good but there was a third one stunt car racer that's not an arcade port but you've played stunt
0: car racer right i was gonna say it's still a port <laughs> yeah it would not be an a port. arcade port it, it, exactly um, um, you know i've seen i've seen footage i haven't actually played it i know it was kind of like an early photo of uh, what do you call pseudo 3d Yeah, Um,
2: you're driving a car almost like on a roller coaster kind of looking thing. Yeah, you can do like
0: loop-de-loops and...
2: Loop-de-loops and jumps and things like that. And so what happened is I tried to load it and it wouldn't load. And so, as you know, the Atari 800XL is 64K. So I went online and I looked up um, what I needed to do to upgrade it. I ordered it. It's called the Ultimate one Meg Upgrade for the Atari 800. And you have to... It's a little circuit board. You put in the 800. It requires four solder solder points to the CPU, and then you replace two chips that are actually in the Atari.
0: So when you say you never have time to play these games, it's because I'm tinkering with <laughs> hardware.
2: Yeah, exactly. So just for this Let's one call a game, spade to spade here. I'm gonna just for this one game, I'm gonna do that upgrade. But the upgrade it comes with a lot of really neat features. You can replace the 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 DOS in there with Sparta DOS in case you want to add hard drives to your Atari and. It comes with a ton of extra stuff. So anyway, that's one thing I'm doing. I'm going to.
0: If I find one of those, I do want to pick one up and then I'll care about everything you're saying. Yeah. It's one of the things you're like, one of my 27 computers has all these upgrades. Have you been interested? Once I I get one, I'll understand and I'll be on board.
2: Are you interested in an Atari computer sometime? 800XL, 1200XL, XEGS?
0: Absolutely. So now, I
2: got I got my Atari 800 XL on shop Goodwill, and I got it for fifteen. Oh, you told bucks. me about that. Yep, fifteen bucks. And it, well, the keyboard didn't work, and it was like an hour worth of work to fix. All it. All right.
0: Well, this this episode might be released late because I'm gonna make sure I get mine <laughs> before we let the world know. All right. Before we let our millions of subscribers know about shopgoodwill.com. You need to jump on there. Yeah. I do need to jump on there. You know, one time, so I do sales, and I went to a local uh, community, community college. I'm um, kicking myself in hindsight, because when I first started going there, it was about 13 years ago when I first got the job, and they had all these old devices, you know, everything mm-hmm. beige plastic, and a lot of it was science equipment, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I swear there was a pallet of Commodore 64s.
2: At a college? A local one? Yeah. For, and they were selling them? Yeah, Just and they were on
0: bins, and they were going to be auctioning them off somewhere. Wow. Don't know where they went. Anyways. that,
2: that I never find stuff like that.
0: Well, and I only find it after... After I have no idea what it was at the time, and then now I do, yeah. kicking myself. Then again, it might have gone for a lot of money. Hopefully, so I don't feel bad. I got to pretend that.
2: So you, you've seen the Atari XEGS? It's nope. so it's like a. It looks like a game console.
0: I've seen one where it has like bright colored buttons, like pastel p- ones. Yes. They're not
2: bright. They're like very dull, kind of pastel uh, colored yeah. ones.
0: I correct. Almost I thought, like Easter colors, but like toy colored. Yeah, I guess yeah. is What I'm getting at. Yeah.
2: Yep. So that and then there's a keyboard that plugs into it and it's also a computer and it's it's equivalent to the Atari 800XL. Oh, okay. So that is one of the very fir- few machines that I found locally here in Elk Grove. That yep. was actually you know that retro shop that's on the bio yeah. account They um they called me cuz they knew I was into that all that old crap and they um they they called me and said, "Hey, we got this Atari and you want it and they gave me a super good deal on it really it's like in mint condition it was in the box still in the plastic oh, i'll have to talk to those guys
0: yeah in fact i gave them my number so because they said they were going to try to fix up a sega cd on oh, no. a sega cd they had one there but they had a model two which behind me i have the ikea shelf here yep um again if you have an ikea near you you know what this shelf is yeah and i think every retro video game guy has this yes but it does not fit a side-by-side genesis with a model two, you'd have to put on. The I have to end. get a model one, yep. which is less reliable, but looks so much better and would fit. So they said if they got if they got one in, they'd fix it up and they'd give me a price that was actually pretty good considering yep. market value. Cool, right on. Um, let me see. What have I been up to? My turn. Yep. Um, I'll do two things real quick here. First of all, last time we talked about what we're looking forward to doing, we talked about Chrono Trigger for a while. Yep. Which. Um, real quick, uh touching on mistakes and feedback. I called it Chrono Cross, like the entire second half of that discussion. Did you really? Yeah, I didn't I did. notice that. Chrono Trigger. Yep. And uh went ahead and popped it in on my uh Super Nintendo back here, original hardware, but with the uh super UFO. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny I laugh because I know the EverDrive is so much better, but this thing's been working for me. Um as but long I've as been playing I, yeah I've been playing the Chrono Trigger and I, I think I'm about two-thirds of the way through it, actually.
2: I think that's where I left off.
0: And I haven't touched it in about a week now, but I do want to finish it. Okay. Um, the story is actually really good. It is really good. Like, I don't usually get into the story. Um, and I much prefer action RPGs, even after playing Chrono Trigger. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be doing something than have to run into random battles over and over again that have basically the same strategy yeah it's just grinding um, the boss battles yeah. are, are more fun because you're actually trying to figure things out but there's a lot of yeah like you just hit the button over and over and over again because you don't want to think about the strategy again again again
2: so you like the action rpgs better where you're oh, a yeah. little guy swinging a sword or something like that
0: yep okay in fact um ooh, here's this might be unpopular so i really enjoyed illusion of gaia which is like i want to say it's like a, well, it's probably more now when i got it, it was like 10 bucks right Probably like forty now.
2: It's hard. It's harder to find nowadays. Yeah,
0: but um that thing was a super common game over here, and I love that game. You had to like, you know, attack things with a sword, or you had uh, oh, maybe I'm thinking a secret under of mana. things.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking a secret amana.
0: Yes. Well, I know that one. That it, one's yeah, harder to find. Nowadays. That one has a pretty penny to it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I got them. Yeah, this is a much more common one, but it's it's they're all related. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so I'm playing that. I am loving it. I'm gonna finish it. Um. And uh, they don't actually mention the satellite. So for anybody who doesn't know, the Super UFO... <laughs> I keep calling it a satellite. Super UFO Pro 8 for some reason. <laughs> I'm looking at it back here. I don't right. know what happened to the first seven revisions of this, but the Super UFO Pro 8 is what I'm using to play this uh, on my Super Nintendo. And the only thing I noticed, everything saves fine, everything plays fine, but if I go into certain menus... Um, it like gl the screen glitches out for like a half a second and stabilizes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm guessing that's the it, device. Yeah. I don't know what else that would be.
2: Yeah, it could be the maybe it's your ROM. If you're using a funky ROM. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I played I played Chrono Trigger on my EverDrive and it it did everything right, saved, did everything pretty well. But I, I, I think I got where about you are two thirds of the way through. I, yep. and I didn't finish it.
0: Yeah. No, I, I do enjoy it. I want to finish it. Um, but the second thing, I, we talked about the pocket chip because the whole last episode was on the Pico-8. Um, actually got a lot of good feedback that we even talked about the Pico-8, I guess. Yeah. Not a lot of people do talk about that, which, again, that's part of the show. I want to talk about things I don't hear about because yeah. they are of interest to me.
2: Yep. I follow a couple of developers on the Pico-8. Oh yeah, on Twitter and they I find it fascinating. Some of the games they make are just amazing.
0: Yeah. And
2: it's getting better and better. It's almost like a new field of game programming. This like with the constraints of of a of the Pico-8 with the palette and the sprites and those things. So people are coming up with some amazing stuff.
0: As they are with the Commodore and mm-hmm. other old computers. Yeah. So did you play all the games we talked about
2: on the Pico-8? Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't even boot up the, the pocket chip after our episode. Oh,
0: uh, yeah. So I, I will. I did try some of them. I, I tried um, Spaceman Splorf. Oh, you like that which one? Which was fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was yeah. very short. I mean, so, yeah, you my know, attention span. Yeah. Well,
2: that's one of those pick-up-and-play games. Like, you just do it when you have a few minutes here and there. But that's by my friend on Twitter, uh, Roy Starini. And he is a legendary programmer from the 64 Days, but now he works on Lego games he oh, okay and and he that he didn't invent that game i guess that game was a commodore 64 game
0: with the same title
2: same title okay yeah. and so he just decided i'm going to port it over the pico eight just to practice with pico eight stuff and it's a really good port i mean yeah. it's 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 fun i it shrunk down to a tiny little screen yeah but uh yeah that guy Roy reene he's a, he's he's a he's got to follow him on a Follow him on Twitter. He's a good guy. Yeah,
0: yeah there's a recurring theme here. I did actually uh, send out my first tweet ever. Yeah, I saw you it trying. It wasn't terribly like, exciting. You're gonna have to explain this uh, Twitter like, thing to me. I was me. like, Sorry. Cody's
2: trying. He's trying. <laughs> I saw that. We also need. A, do we have a Facebook page for and, Pixel Guy yeah, yet? Not yet. And I, you'll have to set that up because I don't. I won't. I won't go. I have ethical reasons for
0: not. All right. Well, not, that's my duty, but that's something I need to do. So because yep. I think that's a uh, that's a good easy way to get a hub a community going. So. Sure. Um, but after our Pico eight dis- d- discussion, I talked about the pocket chip how I wanted one. Um, and hopped online a few days later, and on, on eBay saw there was like someone in the Bay Area, that San Francisco area, um, that had like thirty seven of these, and they were blowing them out for forty nine ninety nine, and I'm like, that's a deal. That's, yeah. that's, that's what they were originally, I think with the Kickstarter, but then they went up and then they were scarce and so I'm like, whatever, I'm getting one shipped free to my house. Um, did after of course I ordered it, I started looking into it some more, found out the company went bankrupt, shut their doors and I don't know if this is them directly or if they had somebody liquidating, liquidating these devices for them. Um, still a good deal, but I got my device again, only wanted it for two things. One, to be able to pay, play Pico 8 games on and to be able to plug in um, as we talked, a controller and plug it into my TV. Yep. Well, I can do none of those things because there is no company who has a web presence so that I can connect with my Pico 8 to update things. Yep. So I'm frustrated.
2: Yeah, and I feel bad because I remember you <laughs> I remember you asking me specifically, is this thing worth getting? And I was like, oh, I love mine. And I do. I mean, yeah. I, I I play Pico 8 games on it. I have a Commodore 64 emulator installed on it. I think I even installed an email client on it, and I was doing that. I can connect to BBSs from it. I have a terminal program on there. I mean, I, I do a bunch. I, I There was an era of time where I tinkered with it quite a bit, and then I kind of put it on the shelf. So I was like, yeah, go ahead and get it. But I didn't know that you couldn't update it anymore. Yeah. So you're well, kind of stuck. How in- would
0: you know the company just shut down unless and, you were following them that closely? So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the bummer thing about it is, I mean, the software is still on there, the pico and everything. But the uh 8 software has updated since this This must have been the first run here. Yeah. Um, and this, this software is not updated on the pocket chip. So I'd say... Out of the 12 games they tried to play, two would actually play. Yeah. And there are some of the really early ones, which are good. But uh, the vast majority of the Pico-8 games I cannot even play. So bummer. i um, trying to figure this out. There's some people online that I saw that are trying to save the uh, ability to update it, but it looks like a whole lot of labor and work. And the whole reason I bought this thing is for a simple solution.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there'll, there'll be some people. There's enough of them out there. I think there'll be somebody who will figure it out.
0: Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, But I might have to make a Raspberry Pi Pico device. That might
2: be a fun project.
0: I don't want any more projects, I don't want to play games. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can make a little console. It's a little Pico eight console. Yeah. I saw somebody who did that and uh they would put a single game on a SD cart- on a S D card, and that was like a cartridge. Yeah. So they would like just pop in, you know. That'd be, that'd be
0: fun like the first three times.
2: Yeah, and you'd like these are expensive. These are SD cards. If I buy a hundred of them, that's pretty expensive.
0: Yeah, and it'd become a, a, a console just for one game because you'd never take the time to like find the other ones and plug them in. That's right. <laughs> Anything else new with you, sir? Uh, let me look through my notes here. Um,
2: I don't think I have any new.
0: Well, since we're on the topic of Pico Eight, RetroPie, yeah. whatever. Uh, I will mention, so I did go and turn on my uh, RetroPie machine, my Famicom behind me here. And um, turned it on and nothing happened. So I don't know if you've had this happen yet because I've had other RetroPies, not RetroPies, but um, Raspberry Pis that I plugged into my TV for TV purposes or for doing Mm -hmm. other things besides gaming. And I've noticed if you leave them on for like a day, Mm -hmm. you turn them off. Then you turn it back on again. They just lose everything. I don't know if they lose everything, but they just don't work anymore. And you have to basically reflash the card and start from the SD card. Yeah. Start all over again.
2: Well, I've never experienced that.
0: So it's happened to me multiple times. Then again, you probably are better at turning off your stuff.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I but, but I ran one as a media center for a little while. I was testing out some kind of media center, so it stayed plugged in and on on the back of my TV for weeks at a time. No. Oh. And I didn't have any issues like that. Just ran and ran and ran.
0: Yeah, so I went over and saw this one with the power up. Um, I, I don't know how long it was on, but I tried to use it and just got a black screen. I
2: wonder if it overheated or something. Because I I, I had also another one uh, that was bolted under my desk, and it was used as a modem for, like, old retro computers. That one was, cons- was – now, that was a Raspberry Pi 1, the first one. And I had that thing on for, I'm, I, no exaggeration, like a year. Like, just sat under there on so that whenever I plugged a retrocomputer in it, I could connect to BBSs and stuff like that. Never had a problem hmm. until it broke. I mean, one day I was moving it, and I unplugged it, and the power connector literally just popped right off the
0: board. Oh, okay. <laughs>
2: well, that's... So I had to retire it, but um, I never had that
0: problem. So, anyways, I went and, and uh, completely reflashed the thing, put RetroPie back on it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I first did this, I took my time and set it all up, put all these games and all these emulators and got rid of the fluff and tried to add pictures and make it all perfect. And then it deleted itself. Besides the fact that I don't really need it to be all pretty because I'm only using it usually to try games out. Yeah. If I'm actually going to play something long term, I'm going to play it on a real system. Yeah. Um, but what I did want to do, especially since we were we were, uh, preparing for our uh, sixth good game segment this this yep. uh, time on turbografx slash PC Engine games, is I had still, to this point, never played a PC Engine CD game. Right. And um, so I went online, figured out how to do that, and uh, it used to be very difficult. Now it's very easy. Yeah. So if anybody is wondering, it's as simple as going into your TurboGrafx-16 folder on your Pi, dropping in the BIOS file, and then downloading the Extremely Large games. Yeah.
2: (laughs) And I do remember... Now that you're saying that, I do remember trying that on my MAME, my little arcade box. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember I wanted to try those. What are those games? Yees? The Wise? Oh, Ys. Ys. So have you, you not played it? very many of those? I haven't, but I wanted to just check it out, and I didn't really play it, but I got that to work on that using the, the, the PC Engine CD go. system. So I
0: have not tried the PC Engine CD one yet. Okay. But Ys is one of my favorite series, Action RPG.
2: Oh, wow. It is an action RPG. That's right. Absolutely. So um,
0: it's funny because the very early ones had a mechanic they got rid of pretty quick, I think. But I guess the concept was they didn't want you spending all this time worrying about all all this combat and whatever. So you literally just hold forward and bump into things. And as you bump, you're attacking them. Yeah. But you can't attack them straight on. Otherwise, they hit you. So you have to be, like, offset. Oh, wow. And then you hit them. That's the whole mechanic. It's very interesting.
2: I remember I just tried it as a proof of concept, like I wanted to get some yeah. CD games working. and. Test so I out.
0: actually did try the very first Ease on my uh, master system. Oh, okay. Um, and I couldn't stick with it. It was a little too archaic, but I heard the way to do it is on the yeah. TurboGrafx CD. So I'm going to play which is actually combined. There's two together, East 1 and 2, yep. um, which is interesting because it's literally two cartridges or two games, two CDs, I guess. You played through the whole first game. And then you start the second game exactly where the first game left off.
2: Yeah, I heard that the soundtrack's really good too. Is yeah, it,
0: yeah. I don't know. I, again, I, I mean, I liked to to a point the Sega Master System soundtrack. Yeah, but I'm sure it's a whole lot better with Red Book Audio. So. Yep. Um, so, so, anyways, I played, I played. I played. I think four or five East games, mostly on the PSP. They're, yeah, they are great, and I play them all the way through. I love them.
2: Oh wow! I'll, maybe I just got to give it a try.
0: Yeah, those are good. Um, so, anyways, yeah, I, I did try a few games, and um, loving the new. Every time you get a new system, it's like the whole world opens up. This new opportunity to play all these games, and yeah, you go check top one hundred lists and start digging through stuff, and you know, ignore the fighting games in my case, and try to find the stuff you want to play. Yeah, <laughs> there's usually a lot of fighting games. So I'm like, ah, that's one thing. Not I, with graphics, but
2: I'm lacking the the. The CD plug-in consoles, like, like the, the the Sega CD and the yep. PC Engine CD, like those are two that I just, I've never found them locally, and I just haven't gotten off my butt and ordered them online.
0: So I, I mentioned this to you while, uh, via text, I believe, and you had mentioned a device I had not heard of yet. Yeah. And that was called,
2: do you remember it off the top of your head? Yep. The Super SD System 3. Is that That is, that that right? is it. Yes. That okay. is it. For the PC Engine.
0: For the PC, Correct. Uh, well, is it uh, PC Engine only, or can it work on a TurboGrafx-16?
2: I actually think it's. It plugs into that. Does the? Yeah, yeah, it should work on the TurboGrafx. I think it does. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: It has the same port on the back. That big old. Oh my goodness. Port on the. The back.
0: design on that device right there is ridiculous. Yeah. The the TurboGrafx-16. Yeah. They put this cover, dust cover, on the back, which doesn't even click in or fit or anything. It just no. kind of flops over the top. Yep. And covers up all the ports, and then it's really hard to get. To, it's bizarre.
2: And when I got my TurboGrafx-16, I, I uh, it came with the turbo booster. That big thing goes in the back that gives you.
0: Yeah, you told me about that.
2: Yeah, so I took that dust cover off. I don't even know where it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, I keep it just because it, yeah. it belongs, I guess. Even though it doesn't look like it belongs, it belongs.
2: Well, I once I found that the PC Engine was the same device and half the size. That's when I went yeah. and bought a PC Engine.
0: Well, then I started looking into that because I remember when I bought their Turbo Graphics. Yeah. The PC Engine was cheaper because yeah. they were prevalent. They were smaller. They they are. Had to, yep. But I decided to go with this because this is what I remember seeing in magazines and you know comic books and stuff and and yeah. slobbering over. Um. But now I went online and oh my goodness, they're more expensive. Yeah. What on earth?
2: Yeah. They. They're. They're very pricey, but I do remember when I first got mine, I was really impressed with the color palette and the clarity of the video on them. I mean, I thought it, they looked amazing.
0: Yeah, I need to do something. So I've got in my room here, I've got a little, what is that, 11-inch, 13-inch maybe TV? Yeah. Um, which I have it plugged into right now, and it's purely uh, coax because there's no RGB out on the TurboGraphic 16 Right. Um, that's the only option I have. Behind me over here... I have my larger CRT, which is, I don't know, 24 inch or something like that. Yep. Which my Super Nintendo is plugged into. I have a switcher and I was going to plug it into that. But this TV, the cool thing about it is it's a uh, NTSC and PAL. Mm-hmm. It auto senses and can play both. Yeah. Except it does not have a coax input, it only has RGB. So I have no way to plug that device into that TV, which is my main TV, which sounds good. I have to play on this tiny TV over here, which is scratchy with one little junky speaker. So I'm looking for a solution, and I think that System 3 dealie might be it. Yeah. What does it do?
2: Well, from what I read online, I don't have one, but what I read online is that it gives you the capability of connecting to RGB, but it also allows you to play PC Engine ROMs as well as play the CD games. And that's, what, that's what is interesting to me because yeah. that would prevent me from going out and getting or stop me from having to go get a CD system, which, you know, it's nice to have the original hardware, but eventually all those lasers and those are going to wear out. And then how are you going to play these games? I I think it's a pretty cool solution, but it, it's really pricey.
0: And it helps me, though, because I don't have RGB to begin with. Right. And now the core graphics is more than this one. Right. <laughs> so I'm not about to switch. Yeah. What was the price on that
2: thing? It was 200 and I think I want to say 250 Maybe two ninety
0: nine. Yeah. It's a lot of money. It's up there with like uh, not quite the turbo duo territory. Right. Hmm. Things to think about. Yep. Um, the only other uh, thing I think I had on catching up this time was my update on the spectrum next, which I am still so excited for. Yeah. Um, I was telling you last time about how kind of the, uh, the updates they're sending about how professional they are and how like thorough they're being. Did you get the Ford uh, email for i like, read through to it you? too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Isn't it, it's, it was like 14 paragraphs on how the case was off by a quarter of an inch and they're fixing it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, I found it. I, I've I've been following that, you know, here and there, and I, I'm pretty impressed. I, I think it is going to definitely come out as a full product. Um, I mean, it looks it looks like it's just on track, it's just taking them longer, which that doesn't really bother me that much, as long as you can see that there is improvements happening and, and progress happening.
0: But that's the thing, I guess, is when I'm, I'm used to seeing uh, Kickstarters, and they're just kind of like, "Yeah, we're working on this," and that's what you get. These guys are going step by step, saying like, "We got our third production model back, and we noticed the lettering is only two millimeters to- high. We need at least five millimeters, yeah. and the red is slightly off." And I mean, they're they're talking about these very precise things that they're not okay with, even though we probably wouldn't even notice it. Right. But if we were to see the the new version, we'd probably you know side by side, we'd be like, "Oh yeah, that's much cooler." Yeah. I remember there's one part where uh, in a previous email, they looked. I wouldn't have even noticed it, but they were looking at all the the device and everything, and there's a few of the the edges and cracks that were not textured the same way the rest of the device was textured. Yeah. And they're like, nope, send it back.
2: No, I think it's pretty impressive. (laughs) Their quality control looks like it's going to be awesome, and and I think I'll get one. I just didn't... God, there's so many ZX... Spectrum projects that come out and they get panned, or they mm-hmm. they people just and they don't deliver a product, or the product's really crappy. And this one looked like the best chance of getting something high quality, and I think it's going to happen. I just uh, hope it's sooner than later, but it's good that they're not rushing it.
0: So I have to bring up this topic because it's related. I have to admit something. You you I'm sure you've heard, and we're not going to get into the whole deal about the uh, retro VGS. VGS. Oh, really? You don't know about this.
2: I, I probably do. Keep going. Let me see if it sparks um, a memory here.
0: So it was a. a so I do listen to. Uh, I'll give a shout out here, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, another podcast, um, the uh, Retro Gaming Roundup. This okay, is, this is one of the podcasts I was talking about. They're like six-hour-long monthly podcasts. Yeah. Um, uh, a couple of guys at this point are uh, from America. A couple of guys from the UK. Um, they actually run a lot of... I think they run some expos. They go to lots of different things. They're very involved in the hobby. Um, and they're all over the place as far as interest, which is very cool. They're also very vocal and open about things. Excuse me. Beer. One of the things they had um, uh, mentioned a lot this year, or maybe last year, they had a, a one of their hosts on their show... Uh, His name was Mike. They called him SoCal Mike. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, I'm not going to get into the whole story, but basically he started trying to create a console. Mm -hmm. And uh, it became a huge flop. Um, It's kind of become evident there's a lot of uh, lying and taking of money and cutting people out of things. And he is no longer part of their show. He was a a guest on their show to talk about the device. Uh, But since then, it's gone crazy. I mean, it's the biggest... Um I don't know uh, interest story, personal interest story in retro gaming in ten years, twenty years it's nuts, and unfortunately it's a lot of these other new consoles that are trying to come out, yeah, people always talk about the retro vGS and talk about how don't go down that road because I, it blew up
2: so I thought that was that the chameleon?
0: It became the Chameco, the Coleco chameleon. So I,
2: yeah, so I know that story. I just knew yes. it by the name, the chameleon. That's when I got into that story. Right? Gotcha, gotcha. So yeah. yeah,
0: it had already flopped on Indiegogo as the yep. Retro VGS. He was able to talk to Coleco, get the name, flopped again. Lies came out. All this stuff.
2: Yeah. Because I read about it, and I remember thinking, oh, that's kind of cool in theory. You know, it's going to be a hard sell getting, selling a cartridge-based console these days, since they're, they're you know, it's more expensive. Um, but I thought, man, I hope these guys do well, because that would be neat to have another cartridge system. But I just had a feeling it wasn't going to go anywhere. So
0: yeah. I wasn't. Well, you had a better feeling than I did. So I will admit right here and now I actually put my money into the Indiegogo campaign. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Nobody did. Cause I remember looking at it three days afterwards. I mean, like I'm one of, I think it was a few hundred at the time. I'm yeah. like, Oh no, what's going on here? What am I missing? Now to be fair, I don't do the internet much. Right. I, I, I do it for the stuff I want to see. I don't do a lot of social media, although I'm, I want to try, start doing more of that and talking to, uh, hopefully, fans of our show. Yeah. And uh, getting out there and meeting more people. But um, So I wasn't following this whole fiasco. Uh, I've heard a lot of uh, podcasts talk about this device, and I guess I just wanted to weigh in on it because I understand all the red flags and stuff people saw. Whatever I missed them, I get it. But a lot of people were... were at this point, are kind of looking back and basically dissing the project itself and what it was originally supposed to be saying like, why would you want that? And I disagree with that, with that specific mentality a ton. Cause when he originally pitched the thing, if what he wanted came true and that's exactly what I wanted. And originally it was like a sub $200 new console. Um, I think Pico 08, right? A 200 or $200 new console where people would be, providing games for it on cartridge you could plug in um again some of the business models were interesting how how many copies you could make and if you want to make your own game he would make it for you and that kind of stuff was a little weird but in theory i was really excited basically just to have um you know indie level or ios level games um yeah. made specific to the console on cartridge i could plug in play share on leaderboards do that kind of stuff yep um a a big part of it was there was going to be no updates. I think that it could be connected to the internet for leaderboards and that kind of stuff, but there is no, uh, if you put it on a cartridge, that's your game. You don't get a second chance, which is different nowadays. Yep. And I just love the whole concept of the thing.
2: No, I I thought, I I thought it would be pretty cool. And I, I just, when I saw it, I think I took a wait and see attitude. Like if it, this does come out, I'll pay an extra 50 bucks not to get in on the Indiegogo. But if no, I, think the concept would be a blast i mean and you know you had your heart in the right place i mean i i bought a Ouya. do you remember those the little yeah the little android well consoles? you got it and
0: it was only 100 bucks or something was not it? something like that and i got it
2: i have to say i really enjoyed it but everybody just hated the console there was some really?
0: really great i heard good things about it i just heard it wasn't
2: yeah there was some great multiplayer games like little couch games where you could sit with friends and play four player um i I I really liked it, but it got panned and it it and it flopped ultimately. I mean, they did deliver, but they did deliver a console. But
0: well, it's probably worth like five hundred bucks now.
2: Uh, I, don't know. <laughs> I think you can get it it's for ten bucks on eBay. <laughs>
0: well, then I'm gonna go get one just to cut, just to put it on my shelf. You
2: know, the one cool thing about the Ouya was the retro uh, emulators. Like you could run the oh, NES, yeah. NES stuff, and and no, it's not uh... just
0: an eighth way to play those games. Exactly.
2: <laughs> I did have one more thing to talk about when you're ready.
0: I think I'm I'm ready. I guess now's the
2: time. Um, So let me start off with this because this is the props I brought in the backpack.
0: Oh, you got your props. Okay.
2: But let's talk about this. Did you, you, you're, you're younger than I am, Yes. but did you ever have games that you really loved the things that came with the game, not necessarily just the game. So like the, the manuals or the feelies, like whatever it came with the maps. So the...
0: That feelies term, let me stop you. Is that, isn't that a UK term? Or I don't is know. That, was that a term, because I've heard other podcasts mention that, but I've never heard that. Or is that just before my time term?
2: I, I just thought feelies were those things that came with
0: the game <laughs> that weren't the game. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I yeah. know what you're talking about. Um. So
2: tell tell me about your experience, mainly with cause feelies. What made me think about this was, not so much the feelies, but the, the game manuals. Because when I was a kid, Oh yeah. The game manuals were a big deal and they were thick usually, like depending on the game. You had these big, thick manuals, and I remember taking them to school yep. and reading through these manuals when I was supposed to be doing homework or whatever. Reading the story. Yeah, reading the, the story, looking at and the two that I remember the most were Ultima Four, because there was a monster like a book that had the monsters in it, and there was a book that had the instructions in it. there was a big cloth map that came in there. There you go. But then the the one that I liked the most was gunship. It was like a helicopter simulator but the by microprose, but the the manual had pictures of the enemy tanks and helicopters and like data on them like this is how fast they go oh yes
0: i ate that stuff up
2: and man i would just sit and read that manual over and over again and um that was a big deal for me and i it was something i thought about in the last week like games just don't have that anymore i I opened up this new switch game and it has literally the tiny little cartridge in it
0: and nothing else yeah, yeah, that's become more and more popular yeah. too. Not even a one page, even an advertisement. There's like nothing in there.
2: So, what's your experience with that? Do you remember any games that you really loved? The, the... so uh, there's
0: one in particular, and um, uh, I'll try to grab it here in a second. I'll just show it to you. I won't tell you what it is yet. Yeah. I'm kind of looking around to, to to see, but no, I mean, all of them.
2: I'll show you the prop that I brought.
0: Yeah. Not quite to the extent of what you're talking about, but I did, I did pour over the, the manuals.
2: So check out this. This is Ultima 4, Quest of the Avatar for the Commodore 64.
0: Yes. And my Lord British.
2: Yep. And this is the game that I almost failed 10th grade because of. I
0: Oh, look at that.
2: But that's so, too cool. So check out that cloth map. I remember I had that cloth map up on my wall, like tacked up on the wall above my Commodore 64. <laughs> for a long time but that was the map of with Brit- all
0: kind of like tolkien-esque uh writing on it yep. and-
2: britannica um that's the world of britannica is that the name of it i think anyway but anyway those are the manuals in there but they, it also came with this this uh this onk like uh the yeah. thing that looks like a cross yeah the, that right there the egyptian uh yep and my son went through oh, there a- it is yeah so my son put it on a chain cuz he wore uh, cuz he was in this Egy- dressed up as an egyptian uh kind of thing and
0: uh but <laughs> he, th- that that onc- your prize onk from your he did, yep. your childhood as an accessory
2: yep but there's the little ankh that came with it and then those are the books and i remember taking
0: those manuals to this is legit though there's like images and story in there this is just a storybook
2: yeah it's a storybook and it's cool. Tells you all about the spells and the different character classes and it's and I don't know if you've played the ultimate games but they they're they're really cool but they are pretty basic but this kind a of a lot of
0: imagination and these <clears throat> helped
2: fill in the imagination, right? Like the books, the manuals, they filled in the rest of the gaps in what you couldn't do with the graphics. And, Man, uh, this,
0: and so there's there's separate books here, too. Yes. This is the uh, history of Britannia. Yep. And the other one was talking about spells, but it didn't just say, this spell does this. It's like yeah. a paragraph describing the yep. the power and the experience behind the...
2: And it just seemed like more often than not, a lot of these the Commodore 64 games had stuff like this. Manuals,
0: this maps. This is cool. Yeah, no, I'd be all over this. This is right up my alley. Oh, and then that brings you back to life right there. <laughs> yeah then there's a uh, uh looks like a six page fold out
2: yeah it's the player reference card it's the
0: player reference card and it's got screenshots and when you see the screenshots you're like oh yep imagination needed
2: <laughs> yeah yep that is what so cool. that is one of the few games i beat when i was a kid i mean i loved that game so much and i remember still remember the ending to this day and
0: um, yep. you got all your commands and they used every single letter of the alphabet a through y Yep. 26 different commands.
2: Yep. And so that gunship game I was telling you about by MicroPros, it came with a keyboard overlay, like a cardboard cutout that fit over the Commodore 64's keyboard. And uh, that, so that you knew what buttons to press to turn the engines on, auto-rotate, whatever you wanted to do. So anyway, I figured that I would bring that in just to show you the, uh, the The power of game manuals for, for older games, and I, it would be nice if um,
0: I just put in front of you the yep. the one manual I poured over over and over and over. It's a PC game. Yeah, well, one I, of my favorite games of all time. Maybe maybe you just know I think my, I, number one. Yeah,
2: Heroes four. Of Might oh, you know and what? Magic.
0: Heroes of Might Magic four. So that I'm sorry. That one is four. Three yeah. is my favorite of all time, but that one's up there too. But same thing i mean it's not quite as elegant and as story base as this <laughs> but it is just a thick book full of stats no and see they- and uh, i got into the number crunching portion of it
2: yeah and so you i, I imagine you poured over this manual or, or the one for three as well yeah which
0: is even bigger um, in fact they had a fold-out bestiary yeah uh, again it was just cheap paper it wasn't anything like this cool ultimate one but i had that hanging up in my room and it basically had i think all 30 different classes and um so it don't, I mean, like a poster
2: don't you miss this i mean absolutely. nowadays like sometimes with pc games you'll get the pdf or you'll get the in-game help like you click on something and there's in-game help but it's just not the same
0: it's no, not absolutely i mean i, I don't well, know that's a big reason um even though now it's because of what you said i'm losing interest but big reason i love to buy physical copies of things yeah is um unfortunately nowadays to get that stuff you have to buy the special edition
2: Exactly I'm noticing that The special edition and you get like the The big book or Or, or whatever I, I, I miss the days when that just came with the game
0: Yeah I'm looking up here I have a few a few of those but The hard thing for me too is because of The way I, I buy and sell things Well in fact Axiom Verge right there I think yeah, See it right there yep, right here. That book I think it has a couple of goodies In there too as well you can kind of see on the back There what it comes with but um, For the PS Vita yeah. And, and I, I paid the extra 10 bucks to get the special edition with all the extra goodies because.
2: Have you played through this?
0: Not yet. We, we talked about it last time. Yeah. We both got to about the same point where That's we right. loved it. We loved it. Hit a point where all of a sudden the whole world was like, yep, you got the entire world to choose from. And you're like, I don't know where to go. So you just. And yeah. we just stared at the screen for five minutes and turned it off. That's,
2: <laughs> I do want to get back to that. And I, I, I every time I go to the to, like, uh, GameStop or Fry's, I'll see the Axiom Verge, Nintendo Switch version, and there is a deluxe version, like you're talking about, that has a big box and this yeah. and that in it. But is that, is that mainly a manual that's in there besides the game?
0: We'd have to open it up. I don't even remember.
2: All right. Well, I'm going to take a look at it. We're going to do
0: this live-to-tape here. Exactly. Super. That's what we call it, live-to-tape. So like... the sleeve already did fall off there because they don't even print the artwork on the box anymore it's just a sleeve i'm gonna
2: be very careful because i have a bad <laughs> habit of manhandling boxes ripping
0: the uh, edges as you open things
2: yeah in fact i'm gonna let you open that because i don't want to rip it so when <laughs> so when it
0: rips it's my fault basically. exactly there you go there you go look at that there's a manual there's we go poster
2: oh yeah that's
0: nice. pretty little neat poster there yep. on the back we got a map
2: that now that is probably worth the price <laughs> yeah, right? right it's worth the price of admission
0: so, so once i got to area seven here yeah. this all went, hey, you have all this to look at. And I'm like, uh... But yeah, key points. It shows some key points. Actually, if I looked at this, I might be able to continue the game now that I'm looking at it. <laughs> See, just... just it tells you where the weapons are. Where the, yep. that, this is like a cheat sheet. This is a uh, Prima guide. As soon
2: as you... Exactly. As soon as you open that up, I was like, if that's a map, then that's worth the money.
0: It's a pretty it, cool little poster, too, on the other I don't side I know if you felt
2: it. with Axiom Verge. Sometimes with those kind of games... I get kind of lost sometimes. Like, art. I'm just, like, wandering around. Yeah.
0: Art book. Oh, the art book's cool. Oh, that is nice. Yeah. So, again, worth it to me. That's why I have a hard time paying online for games I download, and that's the end of it. Yeah. Um, ooh, we're still going here. Making of documentary. I didn't even know this was in here. I can watch a DVD on how the game was made.
2: Yeah, I bet that's pretty
0: cool. Blu-ray, probably actually. Probably pretty interesting. Well, you know what? It's like an unboxing. This is like an audio, an audio <laughs> an unboxing. Audio unboxing. All right, now that's what I'm used to seeing. Now I'm holding the actual game case. The PC, yeah. I open it and it's just nothing inside. Which, again, everything else came in the box. I'm not complaining yeah. in this case. But yeah, usually if I take this game out, there's nothing inside here to tell me what this game is.
2: No, and about. you know, the funny thing is even between generations. So, you, did you have an Xbox 360?
0: Uh, I, I actually do have one downstairs, but again, I bought it way late. So yeah,
2: but it, you've so you've gotten the games, and sometimes there'll be a little ten-page, twelve-page little little manual in in the it, case. Sometimes it, if you're lucky,
0: ten to twelve it, pages.
2: Yeah, exactly. But at least you get something four, six pages, whatever.
0: Which nowadays, even if you open this thing, and there's no manual. Even the quality of the case, there's like holes taken out of it for yep. green friendly purposes, and even the case is flimsy now.
2: Yeah, so now with my Xbox One, one generation later, I don't think any of the games I've purchased for that have a manual in it of any kind. It's mm. it's just the disc.
0: Yeah, that's sad. Uh, I'm sad. put that back for you there. Oh, I thank you. All, All right, so, so that's my that's my your feelies.
2: Exactly. I just wanted. No, to that was excited.
0: actually really cool. I've never seen the. Uh cloth map. I heard of other games that have cloth maps as well. Um, I can't remember what they are at the moment.
2: And I wish that was my original version, but actually I went and bought that. Oh, did you? I, Yeah, nothing survived my childhood. <laughs> so <laughs> I went and found it because that was my favorite game of probably the Commodore 64. Yeah, that, I mean, that was
0: your Heroes of Might and Magic 3? Yep, exactly. Perfect. All right. Cool. I feel like we're caught up. Um, one more quick note. Well, let me just get to this real quick. I wanted to go over some of the uh, mistakes and feedback since our first couple episodes, um, just to touch base on this because there's a few people that uh, commented. Um, a lot of it, was, most of it, was positive. Yeah. And the Things that were, I wouldn't say they're not positive, but they corrected me on a few things. Okay. Including myself, I listened and corrected myself. Including uh, in, in one episode, there I can't remember which one, I kept saying that they were breaking the third wall. That's not a saying. <laughs> I, I knew what you meant, so I, I... Okay. All right. I think the fourth wall might have been broken. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, potato, there's potato. that. <laughs> Third, <laughs> fourth that. wall. For the rest of this episode, I'm going to talk about how we are going to break the first wall, like, a, like Kool-Aid Man. Yep. Um, if any of my pinball buddies were listening, they will have gotten furious, as they always do, when I called it the Lodi Pinball Festival. It is the Golden State pinball festival
2: so it's the whole state you, you lowered it to a city's festival um... it is
0: it is the lodi pinball well so we're in a, a, a league called the capital corridor capital corridor pinball league okay and there's a Folsom uh delegation if you will and a lodi delegation okay and uh they're kind of run separately but together um so they are holding that that pinball festival it used to be called Pinagogo. now it's called the golden state pinball festival as it was moved from dixon to lodi which is where um, a couple of the members' houses are that we have the uh, w- biweekly tournaments.
2: I like that first name better. The second one. Pinagogo? Yeah, that, oh. the second one needs some work. That's <laughs> too simple.
0: <laughs> well, no, everyone wanted to keep... The... It was a big fight to keep that name, long story short, and uh, yeah. they, they weren't able to, they were able to keep the name. They needed to change it. All right. Golden State Pinball Festival. But uh, the other one, when we were drinking our beer, mm-hmm. we uh, had a beer. Do you remember what it was called?
2: Go? <laughs> go? It was a good... Anderson Valley, right? Yes. Anderson Valley g- Goose, ghost. Remember a thing
0: like Goss? Oh, Framboise
2: Fra- Framboise frambois, Rose. Goz. Yeah.
0: Gauzi goose. My buddy goes, Cody, it's French. It's framboise rose goza. Okay. There All we right. go. Corrected. Thank you. Um my next beer that we're drinking tonight is a goza as well, so now I know how to call it a goza. Okay. All right. Yep. Thank you, Nick. I'll call you out by name. Um, we are also now on Stitcher, Apple, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Podbean, and a few others. Yeah. I Googled us. I did that thing you're never supposed to do. I Googled us. <laughs> and we pop up on stuff now. How yeah. cool.
2: I added, I added as much as I could find. Uh, every time I thought of a service, I tried to add it. Um, some of them are harder than I was like, we're not on Spotify yet. Cause you have
0: to have five episodes. So well, let's two, break this up into bits. Yeah, exactly. Two
2: or three. <laughs> we'll make part one, part two.
0: But, but It uh, might be long enough if we keep talking like this.
2: Yep. But, uh, I mean, I think it's, it's cool. We'll roll, roll out softly. I mean, I think we're doing pretty good for the first, uh, this will be the third episode. I I'm going to admit
0: I was a little starstruck because, again, not knowing a whole lot about Twitter and I see your posts and stuff, mm-hmm. but uh, a lot of these people on podcasts I've listened to or heard of have commented about us already and that's yeah, humbling. Well, I wouldn't say it's humbling. People say the word humbling. I'm going to use the exact opposite term. That's ego boosting. It is ego My boosting. My head got really big when I heard, yeah, we're big time like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> again, I tell it like I, like I see it. So
2: I just think if it, if someone takes the time to listen to a podcast, then I think that's pretty neat. I mean, you know. Absolutely. A, a podcast isn't, I mean, you know, ours are hour, hour and a half, two hours long. It's, it's. I, I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. It,
0: it was two and a half.
2: Two and a half hours? Yeah. yeah. If <laughs> this, they're gonna devote that might time, be longer if they're going to devote that time i think that's pretty neat
0: that's very cool and yeah. we do appreciate you guys listening of course we want your feedback um criticisms or thoughts ideas whatever you want us to talk about i don't know we'll listen to it all um but in turn we also want to mention a couple of the the shows we've been listening to mm-hmm. you mentioned a cool story to me earlier t- tonight that i didn't know about about someone um another podcast that uh, actually did mention us yeah, and we'd like to return the favor yeah. with our humble, small subscriber base off of our one, two episodes.
2: Yeah, one of my favorite podcasts, Amigos podcast, they basically cover the Amiga and they've been branching out with, they have like Insert Disc 2 and um, ARG Presents where they talk about other game consoles Um but they mentioned us. They got the name of the podcast wrong.
0: <laughs> hey, but but, we appreciate it. Yeah, but we appreciate <laughs> it. And uh, the beauty is, I think you said they're going to try to mention us again, which means we get twice the. Uh, I think they're going <laughs> to try to
2: mention the name of our podcast which is pixel guidance yes you guys need to pixel
0: guidance is the name of this um, podcast
2: but i whenever i have to rebuild my phone or format my phone or get a new phone and i have to set up my podcast catcher again the first podcast i always um add is the amigos podcast and i've been listening to that one since episode one um it, it, i think that it, it's a really it's it, it it for me it's like comfort food like that podcast That's i just your happy place yeah i just <laughs> listen to it and i like hearing them chat about it and it a chat about these Amiga games and I think it's a great one. So cool. I need to
0: play more Amiga first of all. Yeah, um, oh I do too. But I have listened to a few episodes and absolutely, no, it's it's good stuff. Yep. Um,
2: so what, what what would be the first podcast you add back to your Podcatcher?
0: Podcatcher?
2: Don't you ever have a Podcatcher?
0: Podca- I've never heard that term. Hmm. Again, yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not hip. Yeah, I'm but- not with it whatever you use to listen to podcasts. Yes, I do have a service I use. I will not name, name names because I want everyone to use every service and rate us on yep. all of them. Um but I've been my go-to, my comfort place, my warm happy place. And there's a bunch I listen to. Yeah. Um but I do get the most warm fuzzies uh when I listen to a show called The Retro Warriors. Okay. Um again, it's just two guys and they live in a room like we are. Um just talking about stuff and they kind of have a, a, you know, they do have a kind of format they stick to and, uh, they keep it to a certain time, Mm -hmm. but they're doing weekly episodes. So I commend them and they're doing other shows as well. Yeah. I can't imagine how busy they are, but, um, just really, uh, really professional, really good. Um, can't listen to it in the car with the kids, which is one of the reasons I made this rule is because I want to be able to listen to, to, to shows with my kids in the car. Sure. Um, but, they seem like really good guys. They have a really good grasp on the industry and what's going on. Um, yep. Their opinions are not always in line with mine, but they're valid. Yeah. So um, that would be it. And they kind of go all over the place as far as new, old, kind of like I do. Uh, again, we have this niche that I don't think any other podcast I've listened to has, which is that will go as far back as, the uh, I don't know, Odyssey 2. <laughs>
2: yeah. I'm going back further than that when you well, listen yeah. to my segment. So.
0: Oh really? Cool. Alright, yeah, I've not no. heard your segment yet, so I'm I'm excited about that. Um, so I'll give them a shout out. So cool. I'm sure we'll hear some other ones here and then think of some other ones and keep naming names. But yep. um yeah, much love to everybody in the in the industry or not the industry but the hobby. Um very cool. I do have a segment I'm gonna start this month called Rants and Raves, and it goes like this. Hello, everybody. Normally, um, I think I'm going to be a lot more positive than this and do a lot more raves. But today, I'm going to have I'm going to start this off with a rant, and unfortunately, it's aimed at one of our most beloved retro names, Nintendo. So I'll try to be quick about this, but basically, I I, I had a Nintendo original NES, and I eventually got myself a Super NES, and uh, really have not bought much direct from. Um, you know, from retail. Basically, uh, Nintendo's never seen a whole lot of my money since. I bought a lot of used Nintendo products, of course. Um, everything from... Um, uh, most recently, I, I purchased a Wii and a lot of games. And um really into light gun games and those kind of things. But, basically, Nintendo hasn't, hasn't got a whole lot of my, my money over the last, I don't know, 15 years. Uh, with the exception of... Uh, I did buy a used 3DS. And... um When I bought the used 3DS, I I did eventually buy a few retail games. So that being said, um, I was really excited when Nintendo announced, and I think a lot of people were, that they were coming out with a classic NES, um, the, the NES Classic, the Mini, with 30 games, lots of good games. Not their greatest games, but a lot of solid games. HDMI, solid Nintendo quality, physical product. And let's be honest... This product came out because retro is huge right now. You go into a Target, you say, uh, see stuff all over the walls. Um, you know, Space Invaders, cups, Space Invaders, uh, shirts, Pac-Man, plug-and-plays, all kinds of stuff. And uh, they're all, it's all over the place. Everyone loves retro right now. So um, what does Nintendo go ahead and do? Uh, well, first of all, back let's, let's take a step back to the Wii. When the Wii came out... Um, It was a crazy popular system, and I think they legitimately, part of it might have been marketing, but they legitimately didn't know they were going to be as popular as it was, um, at least to a certain degree. But the thing was nuts. The problem I have is after about three to six months, they should have been able to make a lot more systems, but they chose to choke down supply, and for like one to two years, this thing was scarce. Um, It was all over the news. There was all kinds of lines outdoors when things were finally released. Uh, We even had a local radio station. It's a terrible story, but a local radio station, um, they had an event called Hold Your Wee for a Wee, and basically they had some people come in there, drink a ton of water, and and try not to go to the bathroom. Um, People were calling in nurses saying people can die from water poisoning, and unfortunately, that's exactly what happened. One of the uh, contestants did pass away, which is horrifying. Again, it's a tragedy, but... That's just how crazy the whole Wii thing was. So what does Nintendo do when they come out with this NES classic, just spurred on by the retro love, which is in turn spurred on by, let's be honest, all the, the ROMs on the internet. Um, easy access to all these cre- great classic games. People love it. Um, you know, everyone listening to this, this podcast probably has seven different ways to play every Super Nintendo game, every Nintendo game. Um, I know I do. And I also know when I saw that NES classic come out, uh, I wanted it. I absolutely wanted it. But they decided to go and um, I—you I, can't convince me otherwise. They purposely choked the market, released very few. It went, i think it was six, uh, uh, less than six. To, I think a pallet or a box was six um, of those NES classics into a uh, commercial box that where or they, or they shipped them out to stores. So they were getting six at a time at each Target or Walmart or whatever, and they were gone. Uh, I think the store owners probably took most of them, or the, or the employees, even though they technically weren't supposed to, they found ways to do it. So very few were getting out into the public, and it was creating just chaos, and I get it. NES, or, um, Nintendo, you have the ability to do that. If it works for you, that's great. But it took a solid two years before they finally decided to release it, much more mainstream. Just now, almost actually, almost three years later, uh, we're finally starting to go to a target and see it on the shelf there, and only some targets, but still, they're 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 there now. So I absolutely hate that Nintendo would continue to do that, would choke down the supply. Try to. I understand they're trying to build buzz. They're trying to, to pay. Um, you know, they are corporations that so they're trying to pay tax holders. Uh, not tax holders. They're trying to pay. Um, uh, their shareholders, um, they're, they're trying to make sure their company looks good, and buzz is money. But I, I absolutely hate how they just crap on their fans. They absolutely, and I, again, that's kind of a crude way to put it, but they do. They just crap on their fans, uh, who who just thirst for this stuff, and this, they, they came out with a killer product. And if they legitimately didn't know this was going to be a hit, they would have been able to fix it in a month or two. They would not; it would not take two years to get there. Um, nor would they be able to release the Super NES Classic, which is another great game. Now, here's my rave. I will give them total credit for the fact that the first NES Classic came out with way too short of controller c- cords. And uh, people complained about that, and they fixed it. Uh, I think a lot of people also complained that, that there's only one controller in there, and this is kind of a couch co-op system. So for the Su- Super Nintendo Classic, they did the same thing. They they, they in length uh, lengthened the controller cords. And they included two controllers, which is awesome. So kudos on Nintendo for listening to their fans in that case. But then they go ahead and screw it up again. Um, the Switch is out. I was at the point. I'm at the point right now. Right, you know, up until a few weeks ago, I'm ready to go buy myself an NES Classic because it's finally available. I'm ready to buy a SNES Classic because the games list on that is killer. It seems like a killer product, and. Nintendo is terrified of people cracking these things, which they can, and uh, getting all the uh, games in the entire library and shoving them onto an NES Classic or a Super Nintendo Classic. And let's be honest, the vast majority of people who actually get their hands on one of these classic uh, uh, devices they're selling now are not going to do this. They're not going to know about it. They're not going to think about it. They're not going to go online and research how to do it. Again, the only people that are going to benefit from this are people who who put those games on there and scalp them. But, hey, that wouldn't be an issue if they were on the shelves in the first place, now, would it? Um, Sorry, that's a little side tangent. But, yeah, um, scalpers are the only ones really benefiting from the shortage of the NES Classic and, uh, to a lesser extent, the Super Nintendo Classic, Um, which, again, rave to Nintendo. They did produce in larger numbers as they said they would, which is um, the first time in a long time that they hadn't lied um, about scarcity in their products. So anyways, I get it, Nintendo. You want to make sure your devices um, can't be hacked to put all these extra games on, but let's face it, it's going to happen. It's not a problem. We're still buying your systems. Uh, We're not buying individual ROMs for your systems. We're buying your systems, and we're buying those ROMs. When you put it on the Switch... Um, we're buying games, I again, I said it last episode, we buy games that you put on, not necessarily Nintendo, but if there's a, a classic ROM that I own already, seven different ways to play it, but I see it, um, Radiant Silvergun, like I mentioned last last episode, Sega Saturn, I played it on there, fell in love with it, bought it on my PlayStation 4, now I can play it on PlayStation, so what's the issue, um, Nintendo, why do you gotta go and close down ROM sites? That's what they're doing now, they're cl- closing down these ROM sites, yeah, I get that. I totally get that. Um, because they don't want people stealing their stuff. But let's be honest. The people who are buying this thing at the store, if it were in the store, by far and large are going to be people who haven't seen a Nintendo game in a long time, are excited about it. Maybe they see all this retro stuff on the wall and their nostalgia you know, uh, senses tingling. And they buy this thing and they go back and play it with their kids for a little bit, show their kids what it's about, um, play it for a little bit. Maybe they get hooked on it and play a lot of it. I don't know, but most people are probably going to play it for a month and then it's going to sit on the shelf and collect dust. Um, that's going to be the vast majority of these things. Not that large of a population if these were readily available and they sold as many as they could have if they were on the shelf. We're going to go out there and think to go on the internet and think to figure out how to get the software and think how to flash it to their... I mean, they're not going to do it, all right? There's a diehards like us who, by the way, already have ways to play Nintendo ROMs, multiple ways, play them on our actual Nintendo Classic, uh, you know, not Classic, but the original Nintendo, or or play it on a Pi or play it on a number of other devices, um, including the Wii. Everyone has a cracked Wii, right? So why is Nintendo so worried about this piracy thing? Uh, they tried to keep up with uh, software updates to keep that away. Um, didn't work, of course, and what I think they just need to admit to themselves is the people who want to put all these games on their device are the people who went out and bought your flipping device. I mean, you sold it 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 uh they already have the ROMs. they're already doing this stuff and and you sold them uh, a, a Nintendo product. Now, this was going to be my first Nintendo purchase in a long time. Um, just not that I was ever anti-Nintendo for any reason. Actually, exactly the opposite. I love Nintendo products. Um, again, I just wait for pricing to drop. And uh, at this point, the Wii U is still, I mean, I think it's still like 250 I mean, you even use maybe 200 That, that Again, the Toyota of gaming, the pricing does not drop. So... I haven't purchased Nintendo products. It's just me and my own personal, you know, whatever, uh, type purse, Cody over here. And now I'm ready to go out there and buy the, the Nintendo products that, that you put out there that are awesome products. And you go ahead and start shutting down ROM sites. Um, you're biting the hand that feeds you, Nintendo, the, the ROMs that made this such a popular hobby and made your, your name get so big lately, um, are are what you're shutting down now at this point. And thanks for nothing. Goodbye. Uh, We're going to shut you down because we can make an extra buck or two or whatever it is. I don't know, Nintendo. I'm I'm tired of it. I'm staring at these things on the shelf going, I want these, but I cannot get myself to, again, buy product when I am basically being overtly told by the company who's making this and and selling it to me. uh, We don't care about you. We care about your money, not you. We don't care that, um, you go back and, and check out all these old games and love all our products from the past and want to buy more, uh, we want to screw you over, even though it behooves both of us. That's garbage. Um, I, I just, I'm just I'm i done. I'm, I'm frustrated with it. Um, I also want to get a Switch eventually. I was excited about that concept. Um, but that brings me up to a kind of a third rant. And again, Nintendo, more power to you. Make money. You're a business. I get it. But when games are coming out on other systems, indie games, things like that, um, for fourteen ninety nine or twenty dollars, um, in some cases even thirty dollars for like a, a remaster, um, they're all sixty bucks on a Switch. And people, I guess, are paying these prices. I don't get it. Uh, I don't need it to be on my Switch to play it. Um, I, there are some some games that I would love to have portable. There are some games that are Switch exclusives that look really cool. I do uh, totally give them a, uh, a a rave, if you will, for. Having so many indie titles and um, Kind of custom Items for them on the switch um, That is cool I'm excited to get one eventually But um, I mean Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze is 20 bucks on the Wii U magically it drops off the Wii U market and it's 60 bucks on the on the Switch Yep you can go out there and make that money I get it Nintendo but again That feels like I'm being uh, Treated like a, like a Sheep that you you know that we're we're just consumers here to to gobble up whatever you do and then i i don't want to partake um, all i can do is vote with my money and not buy anything until it drops down to the 1999 um, you know greatest hits line or whatever if they choose to do that again so there's my rant there's my rave uh, hope you guys have followed along i hope that i wasn't too long-winded and uh, hopefully nintendo will will start doing things uh, that make me happy again i don't know what to tell you um, i'm hoping that ROM sites will still be able to allow us to try games and play old games and, and uh, you know, get a taste for the past. And then there's all this new retro love going out there. Money's flying all over the place. So ROMs are not hurting it, Nintendo. ROMs are not the reason uh, business would go bad. All right.
2: And we're back. And I have to say that I 100% agree with you on every point. Wow. Yeah.
0: So That's too agreeable.
2: So the first thing that I want to talk about is you talked about the the what I call the the fictional shortages. Yes. OK. And you talked about the shortages that were introduced with um, these modern consoles. But I'll tell you a story. I noticed,
0: yeah. The Wii was is the one that. Yep. To me, it seemed like that's where they 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 figured out, hey, if we if we pun intended uh, short ship this thing people are going to go nuts yep and um
2: and it it causes buzz it causes a lot of talk and then people start talking about the shortages and the console and it 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 becomes something that is a splinter in them in their minds and they they when they walk into a store they'll look for it because they know that there's a shortage going on and i think it makes them want to buy it when they do see it on the shelf like an impulse ball like oh i might not see this again next week
0: and there's a part of me that just thinks cool clever business i like it yep but as a fan,
2: well, I, so the, when and I, I, and I
0: don't mind him doing it for a few months.
2: Yep. You know, th- there was, so when I moved, you know, i I moved out, you know, and then I I lived in this apartment and I was basically starving to death, couldn't afford anything, but I did save up the money cause I wanted a super Nintendo. Okay. So I went out and I, I had this money and I like, I want to get a super Nintendo. It was the first game console that I bought um, with my own money. After I moved out, and I wanted one so bad, and it it was even back then there was a shortage of Super Nintendo consoles. Yeah, I was
0: too young to know that.
2: So it's not new; it's not something Nintendo's doing now.
0: Did they seem to skip to skip systems when they do it? Because the Wii U, I think they had an overabundance of. Uh,
2: I I don't know. I don't know if they did or not. I have heard that the original Nintendo had shortages too. But I can see that that could be that one's forgivable. That one's re- could be real. Before
0: that, they were making mahjong title tiles and uh, yeah, but I do, Demon watches.
2: Yeah, exactly. I wonder if they it it wasn't it wasn't purposeful, but they saw the effect and they were like, oh, this this is interesting." People yeah. are clamoring about our product. They're talking about it and. Maybe this will. Maybe this can increase the hype for our, our consoles. Because they did it with Super Nintendo. And you can't tell me that a company as large as Nintendo can't make enough inventory to fulfill the needs. If yeah,
0: with the fact that they publicly say that stuff, I think is what gets me more than anything. Yeah. They'll come out and say, oh, we're trying. We just can't possibly... Uh, no, and see, you know, I'm, I'm not... Production facilities. Blah, 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 blah. I'm not
2: buying it. Because you yeah. look at the Switch, which I like. I, I love my Switch.
0: Again, they're making great products. I want to like them. I want to not feel... Kind of like with you and apparently Facebook. I don't know the story there, but (laughs) it's like this is a great product you're producing here. I want to invest. I want to be part of it. But I can't give you my money and feel good about it when these are the things that you continue to do. The people who want to give you the money. Yeah.
2: I I waited for those uh, classic consoles, too. I waited just like everybody else. I couldn't find them. And then when I did see the original... The first one I, I saw was, I, I completely missed the NES, the NES. I completely missed that, the yeah. classic. And, and I wasn't going to spend the crazy money you saw on eBay form or anything. So I just thought, okay, I missed this. And then I heard they were going to come out with it again. They were going to reissue it later. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of a kudos to Nintendo that they did that. Um, yeah, they,
0: they I mean, it's been three years. Yeah. And they're finally like, oh, okay, now the fans can have it. Yeah. Which, again, at least they did do it semi rave. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but at this um, point I'm already bitter. And so uh, my my reaction as again a consumer and maybe I'm more grumpy than others is I will go find one that somebody already unboxed and is selling for $50. Yeah. Which they're starting to show up.
2: Yep. The Super Nintendo one I did find on the shelf at Target down the street and yep. I grabbed it and and I they are fine. And that's what I want to do. Yeah. But at
0: the same time, hey, you you just fed the scalper market. That's yeah. all you were doing. And mm-hmm. so rather than thanking you for that, I'm going to go buy the ones the scalpers sold, but now for $50, and you don't need to get paid for it again. Yeah. That's how I feel. Then again, they probably could care less because...
2: They sold the original units one way, you know... Well,
0: and they sold the original units. They didn't even need to. They just need to get their stock prices up. Yeah. You know, Pokemon Go and whatnot. Yeah. All their all their kind of uh, uh, hype, I guess.
2: Yep. And, I mean, listen, I'm a Nintendo fan. I like all their consoles. Um, but <sighs>
0: I I do, too. I want, you know, the quality there.
2: But it's nice to hear, like, yeah, I'm sure you've heard the stories of Sega, like, kicking Nintendo's butt in the 16-bit era with the Genesis and the Super Nintendo. For a while. Yeah, for, <laughs> for a little while, yeah. Well, yeah,
0: the UK, UK has a different perspective on that than we do. That yeah. The, uh, quote-unquote, SegMeg was <laughs> huge yeah. over there in the master system. And Did you
2: read the Console Wars? No, I haven't. I that's a want...
0: I, that's a good book. Yeah, I do want to check into that.
2: I, I I really didn't think I was going to enjoy it as much as I did, but I and I listened to the audiobook in the car, and it's really good. Whether it's true or not, it's a good it's a good story. I mean, I, I don't know if it's hundred percent true. I think they embellish on a lot of things. Yeah, but...
0: everyone has a bias.
2: Yeah, but yeah. it's a it's a, it, it kept my interest for the whole book.
0: Very so, cool. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: Hello, this is Eric Nelson, and I am recording my segment for this month for Pixel Guided. And I wanted to think about my gaming origin story. Um I often when I've had when I've had this discussion with friends in the past I often cite the Atari 5200 as being my first game console. And indeed it was my first cartridge-based home console. In fact it was my family's only console that we ever had was the Atari 5200. And I'll get to that one, but as I started to really think about it I realized that memories are funny things and once you really start thinking about something memories just kind of pop up and with the help of a little bit of research i did find the very first gaming console that my family had and it was well before the atari 5200 and so what i'm going to do is i'm going to talk about my origin story but i want to i i i, I want to focus on home consoles with two big exceptions versus computers. Um, But I will make two exceptions to that, and I will explain why when I get to those. But let's begin and talk about the very first system, and it happened to be probably the Christmas of 1977 or possibly into 78. I really don't remember. But I do remember that my family had a Coleco Telstar system and it was a, in particular, a Coleco Telstar Ranger system. And what this was, was a large black and gray console that had paddles that fit into the console, but they could be removed and they had a wire to them. This, this was well before wireless uh, technology was prevalent. Um, but it it was a system that was a, a basically a step up from a pong machine it had a, a bunch of pong games in it i remember one was called high lie um which was pretty significant because this at that time in the late 70s i lived in florida went to elementary school there and high lie was a big sport there not so much here where i live now in california but high lie was a big deal in florida and this Coleco system had a Pong game called Hi-Live, but it had a—I don't know—six, seven other Pong-style games, two-player Pong games, um, a game where there was four paddles, two for each player. Um, I think that was called—that was actually called hockey, um, and other things. But the thing that made this particular system stand out, and the reason it got—it was called Ranger—was that it had. This revolver, a plastic revolver gun attached to it, and it had light gun games on it, and they were basically skeet shooting. And remember, the, the these graphics were n- never anything above Pong. It was a, a, a square on a screen that bounced back and forth to the paddles. So, it did, don't think this was anything like Duck Hunt. This was pretty much the very basic Pong-style game, but when you played the light gun games, it was like skeet shooting, like a little dot would go across the screen at various speeds, and you could fire the gun and get a score with it. Basically, I remember that my... I don't remember if it was for Christmas or my birthday or whatever. I just don't remember. But I do remember that it was the only video game that both my mom and dad played. And that's pretty significant because after that, I don't remember. I remember them playing the Atari 5200 now and again very infrequently. But I do remember my mom and dad playing the Coleco Telstar quite a bit. I also, the only other memory I really have of it is when the system stopped working, and I don't remember when, that probably was the very, very early 80s. We were going to throw it out, but I really wanted the gun to play with (laughs) as a little boy. So we just cut the cord off and basically made the gun just a little fake gun toy that I played with as a kid. And, uh... I remember keeping that for a very long time until I outgrew it. So, anyway, that was just a weird little memory I had in the back of my head. Then came around 1980. And this is pretty interesting because I always find this particular system pretty interesting. This wasn't a home console, but it was the first handheld game system that had interchangeable cartridges. And I remember my family got this And I do have a vague memory of it being in a bargain kind of bin. Like it was on sale, like heavily price reduced. And it was called... It was by... I think it was Mattel. Probably should have researched this a little better. But it was called Microvision. And this thing looked like a giant remote control. It was probably a foot long. It was wide. And basically the cartridges were these things that fit on top of the console, kind of snapped in and it had buttons on it. And the buttons would vary based on whatever game you were playing. Um, but it it and it took, I think, if I remember right, my particular microvision took one 9-volt battery, but I, I remember reading about there was another variant of it that took two 9-volt batteries, which was pretty odd. You didn't see that a lot. Um, but this MicroVision had a basic LCD screen. It was very rudimentary, um, just pretty much LCD screen with blocks. And the buttons were those kind of bubble switches, like, you know, they were uh, you pressed on them and you could hear the click of the, of the switch underneath it, but it had a plastic bubble above it. And then the cartridge would snap over that, and you would press the button. it was just a you know pass through button on the cartridge's face that would press the button below it and I know we only had about maybe three or four games we ba- we bought them all basically the same time we got this blowout microvision and i remember I remember in particular there was a breakout clone called Blockbuster. I think that might have come with it, but I don 't remember. And then there was a game called Cosmic Hunter. Um, I remember getting bowling. Um, and I, I just can't remember any of the other ones very well. But I do remember playing that that little handheld quite a bit. And uh, to the point where I wore the buttons out. And then later on, as I was kind of doing a little bit of research for this segment, it turns out those switches on the microvision were so big. Bad that there are very, very few microvisions still around today because those buttons broke very easily. Also, the LCD was a very cheap model that um, the vacuum seal would break pretty, pretty easily. So not many microvisions exist today, but I do encourage you to go on YouTube and look them up. They're a very interesting piece of video game history. But I do remember... Ours, there. A lot of the games were designed to be two-player, kind of pass, pass, the console to someone else, kind of games. I do remember playing the game with my sister quite a bit, and I think maybe one of the other games I had was a Connect Four, kind of like the board game, but it was on the Microvision, and it was a pass and play kind of game. <clears throat> so that was that was uh, quite a bit of fun, and that was in 1980 ish, and then. I remember going to my junior high and seeing my very first computers and I'm not going to talk a lot about this because it's not really a game console but my junior high got their first computer lab and I was fortunate enough to be able to set that up and Learned the systems there very well. And uh, that lab consisted of TRS-80, Model 1, and Model 4. Um, There was uh, Apple II. There was uh, uh, a color computer, the, the Tandy color computer. But anyway, it gave me the fever for computers. And so I begged and I pleaded with my mom and dad. And we didn't have a lot of money. But I do remember that... That Christmas, I received, I think it was around 1983, I received a Commodore VIC-20. And that system, while not a game console, so I don't really want to talk about it too much, though, but it did kind of broaden my horizons uh, regarding computers, but also gaming. The Commodore VIC-20 had these big, chunky cartridges. And when, when I first got that, I didn't get a cassette player or anything like that. Basically, all the games I would type in out of magazines, and then I would lose them when I turned the computer off. But cartridges, I started discovering these cartridges at Toys R Us, and we would go to this place called the Roseville Auction, which was pretty much a flea market, but there were a ton of vendors there that had cartridges for the VIC-20, and I just remember getting so many games like GORF and Omega Race, Um, just just a ton of games on cartridge a lot of uh, text adventures on cartridge the Scott Adams games um just a ton and that really ignited those other consoles the the Coleco Telstar and the Microvision were great and you know I'd play them once in a while play them with my sister and stuff like that but when I got that Vic 20 and it did so many things it really changed my perspective on gaming and it just so happened that that when, it, when I got that VIC-20, less than a year later, my I remember specifically for Christmas, our family got an Atari 5200. And so that was what I would consider my first real kind of game cartridge-based home console system. And my sister and I loved that. And... It was, you know, I know the 5200 gets a lot of uh, panning. Uh, I never had the 2600, but the 5200, because of its controllers, which were not the highest quality, um, I, it gets panned a lot, but I do have a soft spot for the Atari 5200. And because we didn't have a lot of money, I didn't get a lot of games. And I was so young. This was only 83, so I would have been in 7th grade, Um I wasn't really making a lot of money back then, just allowance and things like that. And the cartridges were pretty expensive. But um, I do remember, I think, and I think this is the total number of cartridges that we had. I think we had six games for that in total, the whole history that we had, the Atari 5200. And the ones I remember, and I'm pretty sure this is it, we had Pole Position, we had Pac-Man, we had Moon Patrol, Space Invaders, Dig Dug, and River Raid. And River Raid I want to talk a little bit about because I have very, very good memories of River Raid. I, If I had to pick my favorite game on the Atari 5200, it would be hands down River Raid. And I played that so much that I got way better than any of my friends on River Raid. And I remember reading about that you could send your high score in River Raid to Activision, and they would send you this patch that you could sew on your jacket or hat or whatever, and you would be this part of this cool club. And so I did that. I played River Raid. I got, I don't even remember what the score was, a very high score, and I took a Polaroid of it. And I put that in the mail, and a f- couple months later, I received a patch. And I remember uh, getting my mom to sew that on my baseball cap and <laughs> had that for a long time. Kind of wish I still had it today, but who knows what happened to it. Um. But out of those games, out of those Atari 5200 games, I remember a lot of them really well. I remember Moon Patrol. Um, I played that for hours and hours. Um, Pole Position was really good on the Atari 5200. Um, Just a really solid lineup of games on that, and uh, you you really can't complain about it. They looked really good. Um, Then after that, it was probably 84, late 84. I just had that computer fever, and so this is another exception to my game console list, is that I asked for and... Received with my help because by then I was mowing lawns delivering newspapers doing whatever I could to make some money and I was able to go halves with my parents on getting a Commodore 64 um, and that if I had to look at my history that was really the system that I played the most games on in my entire history I did everything I could to get games on that. I bought them. I bought a ton of games, Toys R Us, that flea market I talked to you about. Um, these, the Commodores were so popular that stores would pop up that were just Commodore specific. And we had three in our town and I would go there and buy games and I would spend every dime that I made on those games. But my hunger was so much for these games that eventually I started calling BBSs, getting, I got a modem, I got, I got a BBS, you know, I, I would contact BBSs, I would go to disc swapping parties with friends, I would have friends that would have games, and I, I pirated a ton of games, but I ended up with thousands of Commodore 64 games, and I spent more time on that system playing games than any other game console that I've ever had. And, uh, so really that was the true machine, true gaming machine of my history. Wasn't the first one, but it was an amazing machine. And then after that, I mean, we start kind of breaking into, to, uh, you know, I got that, I got the Commodore 64 in 84 and I did, I graduated from high school in 89. So that thing lasted me from 84 to 89 and was my main gaming system. Of, I didn't have anything else. And then, well, I had the Atari 5200, but when I got my Commerce 64, I pretty much forgot everything else. I mean, I, I was laser-focused on that. And then, in, you know, I it's a long story, but I moved out of my parents' house pretty early, and I was on my own pretty much. And I I remember the first system that i bought for myself was in around 90 and it was a nintendo game boy and so that was a mobile system <clears throat> and just like in the past i saved up i was always focused on saving up enough money to buy the console but i didn't think about the games and of course with the game boy back then you couldn't pirate the games so i i i remember only having three or four games for my game boy i mean i obviously had tetris I had Asteroids. I had Elevator Action. And that is they, those are the only games I can remember. And then um, 92, 93 rolled around, and I started working for a company that would build computer systems for customers, um, servers, Novell NetWare servers, and things like that. And I got my first PC, which was a 386. SX and um, put that together, and did a little bit of gaming on that. But it wasn't until about '93, and I was working two jobs. I didn't have any money, but you know, kids will waste their money on things they don't need, and I ended up going and buying a uh, my first home cartridge-based system on my own in '93, and that was in the uh, uh, Super Nintendo. And uh, I have a lot of great memories about the Super Nintendo. That was an amazing system to have. I I would get together with friends. We would bring over our Nintendos. We would get the multi-tap and play games like uh, Super Bomberman and Super Bomberman 2. Um, Again, just like I said before... I always saved up enough money to get the system, but didn't think about the games. And I only had three or four games for that system. Super Bomberman, Super Bomberman 2. Um, I had Killer Instinct. Um, And I I, I just can't even for the life of me remember. I know I only had four or five games for that. Um, And I would borrow systems and I would rent them uh, or games. I would rent or borrow games quite a bit. But um, I do remember playing a lot of Bomberman, um, and I oh yeah, and I had Street. That was the first time I, I mean, I had played Street Fighter Two in the arcades a lot. But when I bought that Super Nintendo version, I was in awe. I mean, to me, it looked exactly like the arcade game. I loved that game, so I remember I had that as well as Killer Instinct. So those are the two fighting games I had on there, and uh, that was. That held me for uh, three or four more years until roughly 96, 97, when I got a uh, PlayStation. <clears throat> and, um, and again, didn't have very many games. The the one game I do remember having, and this was about the time that I got my first real, quote, unquote, real job. Um, and uh, so I started getting making a little more money. So I got a PlayStation, but I, I don't remember having a ton of games on that either. But I did have my favorite game, which was Twisted Metal 2. And that is probably in the top five games of mine of all time. Absolutely loved Twisted Metal 2. Um, I, liked, like, I like all the other ones in the series okay, but Twisted Metal 2 was my absolute favorite and uh so much that at the time i was working at a strategy guide company called prima games and i was working there as the it guy and uh i played that game so much that they asked me to do the technical edit on that strategy guide because they knew i could play all the way through it and make sure that all their stuff in the book was accurate and sure enough i did that and um If you ever see a copy of that or see one laying around or, um, I've been thinking about, I don't, I didn't ever even kept a copy, but my name is in there under the technical edit. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then probably in around 2001, roughly, I got a PlayStation two and, that was a time in my life when I just started actually not playing as many video games because I got so busy. Things were really ramping up at Prima, the the the, the job that I had. And um I, I just didn't have a lot of time to play games. The PlayStation 2 was an amazing game, and I remember so many great games like Burnout, Takedown. Um I played that a ton. Um I just don't remember a ton of the games that I had back when, but that really was an amazing console. I just didn't have a lot of time to play. And then it just starts breaking more into the modern area. Like in 2005, I... I, Well, let's backtrack a little bit. With the PlayStation 2, I kind of started losing my luster for games in general. And so when the Xbox 360 came out in 2005... I decided I was going to get back in, kind of go all in on games again, and so I got the three. The the three hundred and sixty is probably the only video game console system that I got the week it came out, and uh, I remember getting that. And to th- I kept that three hundred and sixty for so long, and I did play a ton of games, and I have a pretty large Xbox three hundred and sixty library. Um, because I decided early on I wasn't going to get rid of any of my games or sell them back, and so I I have I probably have a hundred Xbox 360 games, um, and that just kind of breaks us into the modern area, which I don't want to get into too much. The only you know I got a Nintendo Wii around 2010. I got my Xbox One in 2013. Um, I I I just recently within the last couple of years got a PlayStation 3. And I still don't have a PlayStation 4 because I just don't have that much time to play games. And when I do, I really want to play the retro games. Um, I just find them a lot more interesting. Um, But that's it. That's my gaming origin. Um, And when I really sat down and thought about it, I found the most interesting thing was those first two systems. And so... Maybe not the microvision because of the it was such poor quality that there's not many left and even if you did get them they probably wouldn't work for very much longer they certainly it certainly wouldn't stand up to daily gaming but I am thinking about trying to get the Coleco Telstar Ranger those things were built like tanks and there are tons of them on eBay um, that that work and work fine they are they are RF only um, which probably could be modified to composite but. It, it would be fun to get that again and kind of relive the very first console I ever had. Anyway, this is Eric Nelson. I'm signing off until next month.
0: month's first $100 is for the Sega Saturn. Now, I'm going to go ahead and start off here by saying, uh, first of all, excellent system. The Sega Saturn's one of my favorites, but it is very difficult to do a $100 challenge, if you will, for the system. Um, So if you have not heard one of these before, I am basically uh, pretending that I just received my first Sega Saturn with no games, and I have $100 to spend on said games. So I'm going to obviously want to get as much bang for my buck as possible, because I've got $100 to buy as many great games as is worth it. So the the major issue here, of course, is the fact that these things, um, say the Saturn was not necessarily a success. It was a, a, a decent, um, seller, but uh, at least in the States here. I, 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 apparently in Japan it was it was a, a very big success, um... And I'll touch on that here in a second, but the, the, because there wasn't a the whole lot of it, and now with all the retro love going on, um, there's crazy prices for these games, um, especially the American stuff. Now, on the other side of the uh, pond there, um, they're, they're, if you can read Japanese, a lot of these games can be a steal, um, so there's some good deals if you can find a game that doesn't have a lot of Japanese or it isn't necessary to play the game. Um, and I'm going to touch on that here in a second as well, but just to go ahead and start this thing off, the first game, um, if you want to call it that, first games that I'm going to pick is the Sega Saturn 3-pack. Uh, this, this, I believe some of the, the Saturns eventually maybe came with this, um, you know, I don't know this at all for a fact. I'm guessing maybe towards the end of the lifespan, they just released this, uh, system with these packings, but I don't know. Um, but you can get the Sega Saturn 3 pack on eBay now for about $25 and it comes with uh, three of the top 10 games for the Saturn Library uh, period. So can't say no to this one. gotta throw it in. Uh, it comes with Daytona, which is a, a awesome Sega uh, racing game. Uh, to this day you'll still find a whole bunch of De- De- uh, Daytona cabs uh, connected together in, in various amusement facilities. Um, and you can get multiple player games, you know, going uh, on this, on these, uh, these Sega cabs next to each other. Um, uh, there's only three tracks in this game, but the, um, and the, and the physics are very arcadey, which Sega is known for with the arcade racers. And of course the, uh, graphics are, are dated now at this point, but the beauty of it is, uh, its simplicity and, uh, just the, the physics, the way it feels, um, the excitement of racing again and again, even if it's, if it's on the same three tracks, um, it can get very competitive. It can be very, it's always very fun and, uh, not a ton to say about it, except there was a, uh, a championship edition version of this game, which apparently is the, uh, de facto way to play it, uh, adds a bunch of features and things, but price wise, the standard American version here in the three pack, um, Daytona is in there for 25 bucks. Um, great game. That's all I can say. So, uh, moving forward, we've got Virtual Cop in the three-pack. Now, this game is obviously much better played with the uh, Sega Stunner, the the light gun they have. Uh, In America, the the Sega Stunner was orange, and in Japan, it came in black. Of course, in America, we have to have our toy guns colored a certain way so they don't look like real guns, and you don't accidentally uh, pull it on a police officer and get shot in the response or something like that. I don't know. So, we got the orange one. Now, I did go ahead and buy myself... um, Two of the Japanese Virtual Cop, uh, Sega Stunner packs. So I do have the games and the Stunner, um, and they're very pl- very playable in Japanese. But um, it'd be cool to have the American version. Um, and the uh, light guns, the Sega Stunner themselves, are highly recognized as the best, if not one of the best, uh, light guns for any console. Um, There's a nice, thick, chunky stunner. Now, I'm talking a lot about the stunner. The actual game is what's included in the the pack here. And I believe you can play it with a reticle. You kind of move it around the screen. Uh, Probably kind of hard to play it that way, to be honest. So you're going to want to get the stunner. I know I'm kind of breaking the rules here because with my first $100, I'm just going to have to pretend that my Sega Saturn already came with the stunner. Um, There's a lot of really good Lightning games um, on on the Sega Saturn. So if you don't have a stunner, get a stunner. Um, but Virtual Cop is a uh, again dated graphics by this point, but uh, it's a, a really cool game where you're just a, you're a, a cop and you're just going into a, I don't even remember the story, but you're you're going in there and there's bad guys running around and they kind of started the whole um, you know don't shoot the civilians. The civilians are, are always wearing white, so it's very easy to identify them and not shoot them. Um, they've got these these. Reticles, um, you know, for example, a bad guy might pop up from behind a barrel, and uh, it'll do this round circle, and it will shrink and turn from green um, and turn to a bright red over time, saying here, you kind of here's how much time you have, how urgent it is that you kill this particular baddie uh, before we move on to the next one. So you might see a couple of those, and you're kind of shooting the red ones first because they're about to shoot you back, you know, take those out first. And um, I get a kick out of the first, like, two minutes of the game. uh, You end up shooting, like, 80 people. And uh, I think you you walk forward a foot or two at a time before another 10 people jump out and shoot at you. So the first two minutes, it takes you, you know, two whole minutes to walk about 10 yards. Um, But action-packed, very fun, very simple. Um, Great game, Virtual cup. And then I'm not a fighter fan, but... I'm gonna take it on everybody else's word since I am not a, a critic of this particular type of game Virtua Fighter 2 is included in this pack and it um, considered you know one of the classics in the fighting genre um, it's kind of a 3d fighting game and it's kind of the um, banner holder for 3d fighting games um, from what I hear again not knowing much about it myself um, whereas a lot of these other games are into intense combos and um, kind of uh, over-the-top uh, moves where you have to press all kinds of buttons in certain orders and stuff. Apparently, Virtua Fighter is very tactical. Um, it's just one-on-one. You try to block stuff. You try to get a punch or kick in. And it's very, um, I guess, more realistic as far as what people are actually um, you know, doing in martial arts. It, it, it kind of translates better to this game. Um, so Virtua Fighter 2 has to be on this list as well. Now, here's where this list gets really sad. Outside of that three-pack, there's almost no games uh, in, um, from America on um, the the American uh, Sega Saturn here that are going to make my, my first $100 list because they are just too dang expensive. Um, I'm looking at my collection on the shelf here. Um, and I've got some, some games I like, you know, I've got, actually I do have, um, I'm looking up there. I do have Daytona USA in the US pack up there and, uh, area 51's up there, which is another good shooter. I've got Sonic 3D up there, which is, you know, yeah, fun. Um, but when it comes down to it, all the games that I think are great games, um, they're going for, and I, when I'm saying high prices, I'm not talking like 20, 30 bucks, I'm not talking, um, you know. Other systems, Nintendo high prices or Super Nintendo. I'm talking about even your run-of-the-mill boring game. Uh, they're going for fifty to eighty bucks, and the good ones are going for eighty to up $100, 200 bucks. Um, now to justify this, to be to be honest, I, I should have said this up front. All these games are going to be boxed and cased. Um, I collect different games in different ways. When it comes to CD-based games, it's got to be complete. It doesn't sit on my shelf. Bear in a CD and and it doesn't. It's not collectible that way. Yes, you can play it that way. I get it. Um, And my cartridge games, I all collect them all bare cartridge, Um, and with the exception of the Genesis, I like the clamshells and stuff. But um, whereas my previous list, the Nintendo, they are bare cartridge. This list is going to be all cased. So when it came to uh, bang for the buck games, I'm going to go ahead and jump the the ship here. and say, if you don't already have one, you have to get the Action Replay if you own the system. The Action Replay is a cheat code device, whatever, but the real reason you get one is that it breaks region lock on your Sega Saturn. These are about $25, and again, I was going to try to throw this in there and say, if you're going to spend $100 on games, this has to be part of your $100, leaving you with $75 for games. But even the Japanese ones... Uh, We're going to end up having a a, a list of three games, and that's it. So I'm going to pretend as well that your Sega Saturn came with an action replay, which costs about $25 to $30. Um, You can still get them. They're still making them new. So get one of those, and let's continue pretending we've only spent $25 on our Sega Saturn 3-pack, and now we're going to go to Japan and pick up Panzer Dragoon Zwei, which is the second one. Uh, German for two, right? Eins Zwei. And uh, you can get this now on eBay for about $20. Now, the first Panzer Dragon I do enjoy. Um, it's a really good game. When I first played it, I was really bored with it, to be honest with you. Uh, just shooting stuff. Nothing made sense. Um, it's, uh, it's a game in uh, kind of akin to Space Harrier. Um, actually, it's very much like Space Harrier now that I think about it, which is funny because I do not care for Space Harrier. But basically, you're a dragon, uh, a boy on a dragon, and the dragon's shooting fire out of his mouth and shooting things on this alien world. The story is actually, um, they try to be very in-depth with the story. Um, I've played the American version of the first Panzer Dragoon. And, um, it's, eh, it's good flavor. But you're not playing it for the story. You're playing it for the action. And you're shooting these aliens. You're going, uh, you know, you always start on top of the hills. And then you shoot things. You end up going down caves, through tunnels and stuff. And the first game was good, um... I very much enjoy it and would recommend that as well. But if we're going to put one on the list, uh, both the Japanese games are 20 bucks, So I'm going to throw in the, the second one, Panzer Dragons Vi uh, It's more polished. The graphics are better. The gameplay is more fun. Um, but you have to give this one a, 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 a few chances to catch it because when you first play it, you're just shooting stuff. And it gets kind of boring. You miss half the stuff because you're shooting things, but there's not enough firepower to go around. You're just like, what am I missing? Well, what you're missing is the lock-on uh, technique where you actually take your reticle um hold down a button just go ahead and swipe over everything you can until they all have a, a little red, red lock on box and then you let go and your and your dragon blows the crap out of everything um clearing the screen of everything you just locked and this is the key to not only getting far in the game but having a blast with the game um you can also build up another uh a bar and um do kind of a mega blast kind of a thing where he goes nuts and shoots everything goes crazy and you kind of have to build those up. It's almost like you have to shoot a hundred things and it builds up or something like that. I don't know the actual formula behind the scenes, but really good game, really fun. Um, And then the second one also did this thing where if you, if you die, you go back to beginning of that level rather than game over, start from the beginning. So it's more forgiving as well. I beat both games. This is the better game. And I, uh, I suggest I actually gave a copy of this to Eric. He's not a fan of it, but I think if he uh, were to play it for a while and figure out that log-on technique, he would he would enjoy it very much. Moving forward, this is my actually I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here. This might be my number one Saturn game. Period. Um, but if you get the American version, it's called Galactic Attack. If you get the Japanese version, which I am uh, suggesting here because it's only about twenty dollars, it's called Layer Selection. Um, or layer section. Um, this is another shmup. Um, I enjoy Radiant Silver Gun. I enjoy, there's a ton of shmups from the Saturn. This one just takes the cake for me. It's solid. Um, really good, uh, crisp hand-drawn graphics. Um, uh, it's got the same kind of concept where there's, as, as Pandor Dragon, where you can lock onto things. You lock onto a bunch of items at once, uh, let go. It blows things up. I love how there's kind of two panes of, um of things you can attack. There's the level you're on when you're shooting things, but you'll see things coming up from below you, enemies that coming up from below you, and you can't shoot those, but you can lock onto them and shoot them. Um, so again, it kind of adds that other layer of uh, strategy where you've got to uh, not only worry about just dodging things and shooting people, but you're also trying to figure out when to lock things on, when to let go. Um, you know, There's there's points where, where enemies or bosses are trying to attack you, and if you lock onto a bunch of stuff... You can let go of that right before they attack you, blow them up, kind of catch them off guard, and uh, they won't attack you. So, um, great shmup, one of my favorites of all time, probably my favorite Saturn game, uh, Layer Section, or or Galactic Attack uh, in America. Moving forward, uh, this is kind of a um, system-defining game here. You can find it nowhere else. And I'm buying the, the Japanese version because it is $10, and that is the Nights into Dreams game. Now, there's also a second one called, uh, oh, what was it called? Nights, Christmas. I have it up there. Uh, Nights into Dreams, Christmas. And they actually it adds another world. I think the first game has three worlds and it adds another world you can kind of play that's all Christmas themed. Um, I actually haven't played through that. I own it. I don't think I've even popped it in yet, but I, I do want to try that. But this game is, um, again, a very creative. Uh, I want to say a first party game by Sega. They actually came out with the 3D controller specific uh, on the Saturn for this game which actually became the prototype if you will for the Dreamcast controller when the Dreamcast came out. Kind of similar in shape and everything. Although um, the core did go out of the top of the controller on this one where for some reason they decided it should come out of the bottom on the Dreamcast controller which is just goofy. Um, But this game um, it looks very 3D and interesting that the Saturn is primarily a 2D system and it did 2D games amazingly, but over here in America, they decided, uh, you know, Americans are too good for 2D games now. They want 3D. I don't know. And so they were doing everything they could to try to, to pull 3D out of this system. This game is really a 2D game at heart with some really cool 3D visuals. Um, you look like you're going in and out and through things, but really you're kind of going under in a, a um, 360 degree um, traveling path through this flying I'm going to say clown character, I don't know what what you describe it at and um, you're basically in this this child's dreams and trying to collect all these um, gems and things, you're flying all over the place you you collect so many uh, collectibles and you get more time Uh, there's a boss at the end of every level Um, you kind of really have to see it to understand it, but it's really smooth, it's really flowy you can just sit there and, and play around, which is probably what I've done most of the time with this game. Is I'm just flying around and just getting the feel for it and just enjoying the environments. Um, I probably really need to sit down and focus on the gameplay. But for $10, bucks, you have got to have this game. Um, Super Puzzle Fighter 2, $15. I was hoping to put a couple games on this list for um, that were puzzle games. Uh, Baku Baku Animal is, is another game that a lot of people really love. Um, and I gave some time to that actually uh, a few days ago just to try it out. And, uh, and it's a game where you have two blocks and, and um, they're falling kind of like a Dr. Mario style. Two, two sides of the same pill kind of a thing. And uh, basically there's four different uh, environment types on these blocks. And then the blocks could also have the uh, appropriate animal that eats that block. And um, very creative, very unique um but what i found about that, on that game is i loved the first 3 stages and the fourth stage it would get so hard and so fast uh and fast so quickly that um i loved the first 3 stages and then i hated the fourth one cuz it just ended and that was kind of all there was on that one great um uh a concept great g- gameplay but super puzzle fighter 2 is going to hop on this list for me at $15 for the japanese version um just such a great competitive puzzle game and uh that's i use the word competitive on there because even solo it's a a, a player versus computer or player versus player um setup where you're playing a a puzzle game um you know it's kind of your match three puzzle game type of thing um but if you can do large combos or 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 do a whole bunch of lines at once uh, all this garbage ends up on your component your opponent's screen and, uh, and vice versa. And you get, you're just throwing stuff back and forth at each other, trying to deal with stuff. It's a blast. Um, and, of course, the whole Super Puzzle Fighter, the name kind of uh, is a play on Super Street Fighter. So you've got these chibi versions of the uh, Street Fighter characters um, kind of acting out things. And depending on which character you check, um, you, you take to, to play, you're going to get different colors and different combinations of things and, and based on what player um, you choose. So you might find yourself going for a certain style or in someone else likes to go another way. There's actually some some variation. Um, It's not like a Tetris where everyone plays the same game. You you have some input as to how you're going to play the game and how uh, each of these characters play. Awesome, awesome game. And um, leaves me with about $10 left to spend. And with my last $10, I picked up Sega Rally. And... uh, It's kind of a cop-out, to be honest with you. I'm looking at my list here. Most of these games are in the top 10 on most people's top 10s. But, hey, they happen to be the most bang for the buck game. Um, So Sega Rally is another Sega racer. It's a a, a rally-type game where you're off-road and you get a a few vehicles to to, um, select from. It's kind of like Daytona in that way. There's not that much going on. I believe there's five tracks. But the gameplay is so good, so solid, it just feels good to play. Um, it's a rally race, so you're, you're, you're driving, you're trying to pass cars, you're trying to get in first, and you've got your co-pilot telling you how um, the road up ahead is coming. So, you know, they might say um, the severity of the turn and which direction it's going to go. So in real road rally racing, I think they, they assign a 1-7 to seven score as far as severity for how hard the turn is. I think here they just say medium or, or light medium or heavy turn. Um, so, but yeah, they'll say, you know, uh, medium turn right ahead or whatever. And then you know how approximately how far to go. So you're not just watching the map. You're, you actually have to cue in off of your navigator and uh, great title. Um, to this day, a lot of people still think there's um, no better rally game. Uh, I mean, the Dirt games are amazing, but too, by the way, if you want a modern version of this. Uh, but it's just solid. It's arcadey. It's not a um, simulation, obviously, but it's enough simulation and enough arcadey to be fun, but realistic at the same time, I suppose. So, anyways, that's I've already spent my hundred dollars. Um, so to run it down again, real quick, we picked up the Sega Saturn three pack with Virtua Fighter two, Daytona, Virtua Cup. Uh, we made sure we had our action replay loaded because we had to pick up some Japanese titles. Panzer Dragons Vi for $20. Uh, Galactic Attack, but the Japanese version, 20 bucks, Knights in the Dreams, $10. Sega Rally, $10. And Super Puzzle Fighter 2 for $15. So, honorable mentions. Uh, great Bomberman game out there. Now, this is key. I actually have both uh, Japanese versions here. There's a Bomberman game that's awesome It plays up to 10 players um i really want to dig into that one more uh there's another bomberman game on there called bomberman fight and uh it's kind of akin to sonic the hedgehog in sonic 3d on this saturn where it's not the kind of game you're expecting it's actually an isometric game um so i think it's still considered to be a decent game but so many people are you know in the camp of that's not bomberman the way i know bomberman so i hate it um that one goes for a whole lot less, but it's not what you want. Um, so the Saturn Bomberman game uh, goes for about 30 bucks for the Japanese version. Um, Manx GT is a motorcycle racing game, and it's also one of those Sega standards. Um, great Sega uh, racing game. Just fell a little shorter than the other two for me. And then Virtual On. This game doesn't actually click with me, so I'm not putting in my first $100. But a lot of people love these mech racing or um, fighting games and so it's kind of a third uh, party view over the over the shoulder of your mech and you're flying and jumping and attacking another mech it's just kind of this one-on-one while you destroy cities and stuff at the same time uh, a lot of people really love it and you can get the uh, Japanese version which I do have for, for about eight bucks so with that many people who love it at that price I'd say it's worth giving it a shot that's my list over and out <laughs> So as we mentioned before, our new segment is kind of uh, things that we find interesting in the news. They might not necessarily be uh, current. (laughs) We only record monthly here, so this stuff could have been broken for a while. But, um, man, there's a a whole bunch of of new software coming out for systems and things, Um, all kinds of stuff that I would love to dig into, but uh, we'll try to be quick on most of it. The main thing I wanted to talk to you about, Eric, is Mm -hmm. the C64 Mini. yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, let's talk so about that. So it's been that. released in the UK. That's not news. Yep. But October, br- 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 br, late October, it's coming out in the U.S. Yes. What have you heard about this thing? So
2: there is the PAL version. There is the NTSC version. The NTSC version is going to come out in, like you said, probably October, November, before Christmas. Um, and I've had a bunch of opportunities to buy the PAL version.
0: Yeah. Now, the NTSC version... Obviously, it's a different format, but most flat panels, and I say most, mm-hmm. will do both, right? Correct. and but not all.
2: No, not all. And looking at the lineup <clears throat> of the PAL console, there are some PAL only games on it that I really like, like Hunter's Moon and a couple other ones. I think I'd really like to get the PAL one. I don't so know. So is the
0: system itself only able to play certain games? Correct. So really? The
2: NTSC one will only play NTSC games. Why? From, uh, I don't know. But that's what I've heard. Now, mm. I could be totally wrong on that. But,
0: That's a buzzkill. So the
2: NTSC version will have NTSC games on it, and the PAL one has PAL games on it. And sometimes there's crossover because there was two versions made, a PAL version and an NTSC version. But some games, like Hunter's Moon, there is only a PAL version.
0: Do we know what the prices on this thing?
2: I don't know what the U.S. price will be. The price, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't even know the one in the U.K. I don't know. How, it, it, I've heard I might look
0: this up after you talk about the next item here, but – Um, what I have heard from what I have heard, it's a disappointment to me. Um, Mm -hmm. again, the kind of like the reason I'm buying a Spectrum next is because it has all the keys where they're supposed to be, so that when I can interact with the game or if I need to type things, the keys make sense because they don't fit a standard modern keyboard, they're different. Mm -hmm. Same with the Commodore to a lesser extent, but the Commodore has specific keys as well. And, um, this device looks like a Mini Commodore, just the way a classic NES Mini looks, mm-hmm. but the keys are not functional. The keys aren't functional. Which is you, a bummer. You, you can plug a keyboard into it. But at that point, you're using a standard keyboard, right? which you're is the same the thing I can do with my Raspberry Pi. Board. Correct, yep. And it comes with a Competition Pro style right. joystick, which unfortunately I heard is toss-it.
2: It's not as high quality as the – and you can't just – Toss it and use a different joystick because it has buttons on it that are specific oh. for the game. If you look at it, it looks like a competition pro, but there's four buttons along the top of it, and they must do things like start game end game whatever. Mm. They do certain things. Um, so, I've heard all those negative things too.
0: Yeah, and uh, so what what niche niche does this fill? I mean, obviously the the NES Classic. I'm going to keep comparing everything to that because it's Mm -hmm. again my opinions on Nintendo's business model aside. it's the perfect solution. Well, a little too short of cable.
2: I think the 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 niche that it fills is that it's for guys like me, but that aren't in the hobby. Guys that had a Commodore 64 have all this nostalgia for all these games, and uh,
0: but you're still going to get one.
2: I I think I will, but (laughs) I kind of think I'm going to lean to just buy the PAL version. Oh, okay. Because the NTSC I have my NTSC Commodore 64. Yeah,
0: but you have a PAL 64 as well. C- I do have one of those as well. <laughs> too, but um
2: but I, you know, I, I probably will get one like you say when it's really cheap. Yeah, somewhere, you know. It,
0: I really I mean, I love the fact that it's small and I didn't expect the keyboard to work, but I really don't understand what it's going to do for me without the keyboard working. Right. Um
2: no, I, I get all the complaints I about wanna, it. I
0: want to like it, and no, if the price think... is right, I'd get it. But I'm sure it's not like sixty bucks.
2: No, and the, the, you know the reason I want one is how often are we going to say that in modern history there's going to be a reissue of a Commodore 64 or an Amiga or?
0: Well, right now everything is hot. Everything is being re-released in five yeah. different versions. So yeah, that's yeah. true.
2: So I, I think I'll get one for just for you know, like you know, you look around your your studio here and. You have things that are just sitting on the shelf to look at that are cool, and yeah, I think that that's what that'll fit in. I mean, I, I'm looking at the Coleco Vision flashback up there. I mean, yeah, you know what I mean. So why not get the Commerce sixty four one? To, even if it stays in the box, it just sits on the shelf and you kind of look at it. I don't know.
0: Yeah, actually, the um Intellivision behind it is my only Intellivision. That's the only way how to play Intellivision games. <laughs> yeah, I do need to fill that niche. I don't have an Intellivision. Yeah, me either. Um, but um. I mean, I, you can't expect perfection, but for what it is, it does pretty well.
2: Yeah. So the Commerce 64 one, I imagine, is going to be kind of the same thing. And they, they, you know, one thing I did hear a positive for that is that they are coming out with new firmware that's supposed to fix some of the latency issues. And
0: Oh, I didn't hear any about yeah. that. Oh, shoot. That's another issue. Okay. Yep. Well, I'm kind of just looking online real quick, and um, I think a lot of these are importers and things, so it's mm-hmm. kind of all over the board, but I'm getting about the 80 buck range.
2: Yeah. I I, uh, I had a buddy of mine in the UK offer me to to get one, but I think it was quite a bit more pricey than that, especially after shipping. So I, yeah,
0: and that's eighty bucks for the product. It doesn't include shipping necessarily. But, yeah. Yep. I'm um, getting reviews around six to seven out of ten, which is kind of where what we're talking about.
2: Yep. The truth um, is, I know my, I know me, and the minute I can see it on the shelf at Target. If, it, if I walk oh, yeah. in one day and I see it, I'll probably be like, ah, I'm going to get it.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I literally had a, a mental conundrum the other day. I was staring at a NES Super, or actually a Super NES Classic mm-hmm. behind the glass at Target. And I was just staring at it going, me wants it, but I couldn't get myself to do it just because of the the climate I just mentioned. Yeah. I, just, I need to hold off, and I'm going to buy one used and... Yep. It is what it is, and my girls, of course, were telling me, Go, just get it, Dad, just get it. Oh, no. <laughs> you need to learn the value of money, yeah. really. I'm cracking open a beer.
2: Okay, so I'm going to let you say what this beer, since you're the one who provided it.
0: Well, I like sours, so I bought this beer. Okay. That's pretty much all there is to it. It's a Sierra Nevada uh, Ultra Vez, which is Spanish. And uh, if you guys don't know, Sierra Nevada is a very popular microbrew that at this point is practically a macro-brew. Yeah. I don't know if that's a thing, but um, a very large microbrew in uh, out of uh, Chico, California, and it is a uh, goza as well. Now I we know how to say that. Uh, brewed with lime and agave, apparently. But um, yeah, give it a sip and let me know what you think. Yeah, I did. Ha- I do love me some sours, and uh, I do remember having this one last year at the end of the summer. So. Kind of the salads were done. It's kind of a summer thing. Okay. Are we cheers in again? Yep. Cheers. 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 Right. To the C64 Mini. <laughs> the smell of it is very interesting.
2: Yeah, you can smell the lime.
0: Yeah, it's very lime heavy. I haven't taken a sip yet because I want to make sure uh, you get a good uh, sip there to give your opinion. All right, I'm going in now. Talk.
2: I like it. It's it's tangy like these. Um... These what do you how do you pronounce gose?
0: Goza, apparently. goza. If Nick is not lying to me,
2: um, it's tangy, but it's not um, overpowering.
0: It's a very light summer mm. goza.
2: Because I'll tell you, like I, I, like I, i told you that uh, my neighbor, I think we talked about this in the last episode. My neighbor was into these for a while, mm-hmm. but he he got a couple that were just undrinkable.
0: Oh really? Undrinkable. I probably would have loved them. You might have. I might've haven't had, had one that's too sour for me yet. They're just... very tart. Or
2: sour, or whatever. It was just not. It didn't taste like beer to me. So yeah, didn't didn't I enjoy it. But this one's good.
0: This yeah. one. This one does taste like beer. It tastes like um. Yep. It's very lime heavy, so it does taste like a a Corona with salt and lime, kind of. Which I I like. Yeah, time to time. Yep. I'm pretty lukewarm on this one, to be honest. Oh really? Yeah, I'm not a huge fan.
2: I like I I liked the last one we had.
0: That one was really good.
2: Or, or, I mean, the last one in the last episode. Correct. Um, Correct. The, the goze. The what, what flavor was that? Uh, that
0: was the framboise oh, rose. That? Yeah, that was the one he was. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fram. Oh, here we go. Framboise rose goza
2: <laughs> That one was pretty good. That one was better than this one.
0: He actually, my buddy actually wrote it out with all the hyphens and dashes and stuff like a dictionary, like yeah. so you can't screw it up. Yeah. Of course, when I wrote it on my notes here, I didn't do that, so I'm still should have had fumbling him, through it.
2: You should have had him uh, say it on your voicemail or something. There you <laughs> go. Um,
0: so since we mentioned the C64 mini. Yeah. There's other minis coming out. Everyone's doing a mini. Yeah. Um, are you? Have you heard about any of these?
2: I've. Uh, well, you tell me and I'll tell you if I heard about them. I, I, I have heard about a couple more coming out. Well, tell me. Okay. I I hear, this is news. Break the news to me. So I've heard that there have been some, I don't know, schematics or Patents or whatever coming out with the Nintendo sixty four.
0: Oh, you're going really deep here. Yep, which which amazes I,
2: me because Nintendo sixty four is notoriously difficult to emulate. I don't know yes. if you've ever tinkered with N sixty four emulators, but they they they
0: all have their I problems. Did, when I was when emulators were a new thing, I tried to do it on the PC in my yep. college days. Yeah, it never worked.
2: Not well, and and even lately on RetroPie, I tried because um, I love Mario Kart, and I actually mm-hmm. like the the one that's on Nintendo sixty four, the original one. And uh, well, not the original. That's on SNES, right?
0: Yeah, the original. Yeah,
2: yeah. But yeah, the I, one on Nintendo Sixty Four I like a lot, and I tried to emulate that, and it actually did a pretty decent job. But on a lot really of really low frame it, rates, yeah, and, yeah, it's just not not good. So yeah, I
0: wonder if they're actually just rebuilding it rather than emulating it.
2: Yeah. So I wonder what they're going to do if they listen. This is rumor, and I mean I heard it on a, a couple different places, and I've read about it a couple different places. Because I guess they're coming out with the controller. The controller is going to be the original funky pitchfork one.
0: So what I what I had heard is they last thing I heard is they had a patent be reissued for that controller, which made everyone believe that they were doing an N sixty four mini.
2: That's what I heard. So listen, if it does the games perfectly, if it's thirty games, I'll I'll definitely want to get that one.
0: Yeah, I, I, we talked about this last time. I don't have a, a Nintendo sixty four ever drive yet. Yeah, and I do. Not to mention, even if I were to get one. My N64 I have hooked up. It only has a coax RF adapter. It looks garbage. Everything about my N64 is garbage. It's the way I used to play it, and I was fine with it. Actually, you know what? I take that back. If I play it on my LCD, it's garbage. But now that I've got this thing behind me set up to take it, it looks pretty good. Because it, it, it was made for a CRT. So I play
2: mine on my CRT at home and through composite, yeah. and it looks fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's probably what I'll
2: do. I've got to, We'll approach this on a different episode someday. The, that generation of when, like, with the PlayStation 1, Nintendo 64, the introduction of 3D gaming, I hated that generation. I mean, I, I, I thought games looked like
0: garbage. It was funny to me. Uh, we'll be quick about this. But yeah. so many people were in love with the PlayStation, mm-hmm. and I never played very much in person. But in the magazines, the PlayStation was the, – the everything was really sharp on it. Mm-hmm. So you saw every single blocky, nasty pixel. Yeah. So it was like, the graphics on this game are amazing. And I'm looking at just a mess of pixels. I'm like, I can't tell what's what. Well, with the 3D, the texture. Because unless looked... it was moving, yep. the te- nothing made sense.
2: Yeah, the textures, the polygons. They, they... So I
0: actually loved Nintendo because everything was very simple. Was it clear? No, but I didn't care. I, I could see Mario. I could see yep. him jumping. I could see uh, you know, the cars on F-Zero. I could see what they were doing, whereas Wipeout, if you paused it, it looked like a mess of blocks. Yeah,
2: I, I think it was not so much for me the technology, but the I wasn't ready to let 2D gaming go even back then. I'm still not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I do enjoy t- 2D games more than 3D games these days.
0: So that's just another console that I'll have to fight with is its whole Nintendo thing. Should that come out? Yep, I do hope it does. I'm going to eventually get all these. But so,
2: have you heard of other ones coming? Yes, out? I have, okay.
0: and they're they are confirmed and pictures tell, and everything. Tell me about them. Uh, Neo Geo Mini.
2: Okay, I've heard that. I'm sorry, I have heard about okay. that one. And I, I, for me, I am lacking Neo Geo stuff in my collection. Like I don't have original consoles. I don't have even that fake one. I actually one saw a. Um,
0: oh, I wanted to get it so bad, but. Um, Oh, we forgot to talk about my pinballs and catching up. I need yeah. to get back to that. Okay, um, but uh, yeah, I, I recently sold a pinball machine, which opened up a spot in my garage, and instantly I went online and saw a Neo Geo two-slot cabinet for like three hundred bucks. Really? Yeah.
2: Oh man, see, I don't I want one. Yeah, I would want one too. Although the games are really expensive. But well, there's so like an would, EverDrive kind of thing for it too, right?
0: Correct. So yeah. what I would my my goal would be. It came with <laughs> two games actually. Okay. I think they were garbage, but there's some good games out there that even, you know, people made knockoff versions forever, too. Yeah. Um. Anyways, I'd like one or two good games. There's a couple that are cheap out there. Uh, and then uh, in the other slot, I'd just throw the, the multi-cart. Just like you always talk about. Have the real hardware. We can do whatever we want with the software. Yeah. You get the full experience.
2: See, um, I... I if if I had found that cabinet for three hundred bucks, I think I'd jump on it and have to deal with divorce with my wife or whatever. Because <laughs> I, I don't have a place to stick. I, I don't have a place to put our arcade. She
0: already uh, rated our podcast, right? <laughs> she, <laughs> just want to make sure.
2: She, after this episode, we won't make sure sort of, she hops in like, and rates two our out podcast. Five
0: stars. And, yeah. Or else she just never listens. That's fine too, I guess. But yeah,
2: she 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 is a saint. I mean, she puts up with all my stuff everywhere in the house, but. A giant arcade machine would be the breaking, yeah. the straw that breaks yeah, the. Yeah, we both back. got
0: lucky with our yeah. significant others because, yeah, mine. Uh, like I said, I had four pinballs in the in the garage, and I just just sold one. Yeah, but <laughs> my buddy, um, uh, graciously allowed me to store one at his house because I was out of room. Yeah, so he took a free pinball machine for a while. So that one's coming back. So I'll be right back to four again, to yeah. be honest. But yes, I do want an MVS. Very cool.
2: I, I think that would be neat. I think you should do it. So I can come over here and play it. Yeah. Metal Gear. You still
0: haven't even played my pinballs.
2: No, I haven't. Or Metal Slug. Metal Gear. Metal, Metal Slug. Slug. There you go.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Neo Geo Mini. It basically looks like a... Well, what have you seen? What does it look like to you?
2: I've I, i I've only seen, I think, a rendering of what it was. Oh, you talking about the one that looks like a little... No, never mind. I saw it. The, it looks like a little arcade machine. And then you can plug looks, in HDMI like to the back.
0: A, I don't know. It looks kind of Japanese y to me. Mm-hmm. Almost like a um you know an Egret or one of those kind of candy cabs they call them. The Japanese. Yep. There you go, right there.
2: Yeah. I would love a candy cab, by the way. So if you ever find one of those, <laughs> let me know. Let me you know about that too. Um I think it looks cool. I, I some I know I have heard some people on Twitter saying it looks horrible. I, they don't like it. Um, I think it looks neat. Now, would I play it in that mode like with the little joystick and the little buttons. I mean, my hands are pretty big. I, I think I'd have a real hard time, but you, supposedly you can plug that into a TV.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of looking at this picture. This one happens to be a Japanese one, uh, but I'm assu- I'm assuming the American version is going to be similar.
2: So you saw that you can, that it comes with a joyst- or joypad too, right?
0: I, I'm not seeing that right now. No, yeah, it does. It does. It, it it
2: comes with a joypad. And I'm not seeing an HDMI out. It does have HDMI out. So it's gonna you can plug it into a TV and it has a joypad and okay. the joypads look like the um like the uh the neo Geo console okay uh, the the joy pads come with that oh, which are great. really nice so I'm hoping that I, I I think if I see that one somewhere I'm gonna pick it up
0: i I will agree with that that sounds right up my alley.
2: I don't have any neo Geo products right now and I wish I did
0: well what products could you have except for the garbage gold Neo Geo Gold X, which was just garbage. Was
2: it? I didn't. Oh. I didn't. I didn't know. I mean, I, I've heard it's garbage, but it's,
0: yeah, basically, it's a, a if you want to call it a, a, like an Android phone, really, with games in there that they just shove into a box. You close it, plug it in. Yeah. Um. It it stretches everything else to, out to sixteen by nine. It's emulated. It's all emulators. Oh wow. It's just it's yeah. I've heard terrible things, and then you actually pay like to add games to it you buy an sd card with games preloaded which are like a hundred bucks or something ridiculous for this sd card (laughs) it's it's apparently just yeah don't even don't even don't even look at it (laughs) (laughs) all right i'll
2: take your advice on that
0: uh, from what I heard, this is all hearsay. I but towards the end of it, they were
2: blowing those out. I yeah, mean, I remember you could you could get ones pretty cheap on eBay. Um, towards the end of its life,
0: yeah, and I considered it too. And then I looked up those reviews, and I'm like, oh, and,
2: and I, th- I must have too, because I didn't pull the trigger on it. Either. It looked
0: the case did look cool. Yeah, but it literally was just opened like a clamshell, and the device was just shoved in there, and then you closed it back up. That's
2: right. I Now that you mentioned it, it's coming back to you. Yeah. Me. Yep. Uh, oh. but
0: this thing looks much better. Yeah. And it has a screen, so you could play it in that mode.
2: Do you have any info on, like, is that coming here? you are going to have to import it or something?
0: No, I believe it's coming here. I'm just, I'm looking around on my phone here. Yeah, I wonder if... Another fourth wall thing (laughs) I'm breaking right now. (laughs) I don't care if we do research. Now, people always talk about typing and how that's unprofessional. Yeah. But that is a classic Tandy, so... Yeah. That doesn't count. No. And you can't hear me on my smartphone looking around. (laughs) You're also not getting any information from it either because I'm not finding it. But Here we go. Two days ago um, from geekygadgets.com, it says, It arrives in the U.S. and Europe. Does that mean it already happened? Hmm. September 10th.
2: September 10th. That's soon.
0: That's very, yeah. Six days from the day of recording here.
2: But does it say where it's going to show up or stores?
0: Just, yeah. It says, uh, from both online and high street retailer. What's a high street?
2: High street's like a UK term, right? I think that's on like, is that why I don't understand it? Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I technically don't know what it means, but I hear about high, high street stores on podcasts all the time.
0: I do see that part of the controller in that picture there.
2: Yeah. And that's what it looks like. I think it comes in two colors, black and that beige color.
0: The black looks good. Yeah. That's cool. The other one, if you hadn't heard of this one, this one you may not have heard of. Okay. In television.
2: No, I, didn't, I haven't heard about that. They had a flashback though for in television. You have that. They
0: have a it's a flashback. But the this one one's that they're, they're making the is a mini. Okay. And I believe that it is again, I don't have all the details here, but I think the goal is to make it upgradable, kinda of like Spectre Mixed style. Where it's not just and, and Intellivision.
2: It's going to be like, you can make new modern games for Intellivision? I so, so. let me ask you about this. Because the thing with the Intellivision, which is why I haven't really pulled the trigger on one, is that the controllers had keyboard overlays, right? Yes. So is that simulated on, because the flashback. So does it the ColecoVision,
0: to be fair, but they're not right. as necessary.
2: Right. So are they going to do that with the original, like an original style joystick with an overlay? So
0: they There's no images or anything. I don't think they've gotten to that stage yet. Okay. But the reason people are saying it's legit is the team that is doing this is a legit team with the track record. Um, the biggest name is Tommy Tallarico.
2: Okay, I've heard of him. Yeah.
0: So he does um, all kinds of game soundtracks. He's you know he's one of the you know kind of celebrities, if you will, of the retro video game world. Yeah. Um, and he puts on the. Um, uh what do you call those the video game gosh I'm blanking on terminology right now. Uh orchestra. Oh, okay. Where they do go out and yeah, do concerts yeah. and I've play. heard about that. Yeah, yeah yeah And that's his baby. Um so he's been in this but industry he's forever. This or... No he's 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 he's, he's owns the company. He's running it. Right. Yeah he's he's a co I think it's him and a few other people. Um but I guess his thing is when he was younger that was his first console. That's his, his love. That's his C sixty four yeah for Eric. Yep. Um so he wants to see it done, mini. He wants to see it done right, and I think they already got the blessing from Intellivision television and got That'll that part. That'll be figured neat. out, and yeah,
2: I've come close to buying them, like with the the voice module and the yeah. Like I see them on the goodwill site every once in a while, and they're
0: you know forty bucks with a bunch of games. Stop talking about this, <laughs> <laughs> I want to go buy all the stuff on the site. I need to go hop in there tonight.
2: It's as is though. Got to be careful.
0: Yeah, we, you and I can fix stuff. Yeah. And by that I mean you can fix it. <laughs> now, like I said, with the pinballs, I've gotten pretty good. I just yeah. need to start figuring out some of the software side of things. That's where I fail. Okay. Um, do you have any other news, or I have a ton of news here. No,
2: there's always the rumor of the Amiga Mini, and I've heard about that on the Amigos podcast. Okay. There, but there's no concrete plans for that. But um, I wonder that could be a reality someday too, and that would be interesting.
0: Although, wasn't there a recent update to the GoTech?
2: The drive the floppy drive emulator, yes. I there always seems to be updates rolling. There's a guy that go, does the programming for the GoTech. his it's called Flash Floppy, I think, and he comes out with updates all the time.
0: Well, basically, I heard they released a new version, if you want to call it a new version, okay. That basically is barely bigger than an SD card, so you don't yeah. have to cut into your machine.
2: I read about that, I did, I read about that. that that's a whole new device, yeah. It's a yeah. whole, it's, it's not like I'm, a half height, yeah, yeah, it's like it's it's tiny, so. The problem. Which I already
0: cut my Amiga. Sorry, so, all you UK listeners who are screaming at me right now. Yeah,
2: and 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 I've gotten I've gotten some hate mail on Twitter about because <laughs> I cut the corner off of mine so I could fit my Gotek in my yep. Amiga 1200, and this one I guess you can it'll poke like in the regular floppy drive hole you you'll be able okay. to see it in there you'll be able to plug it right in and it's no problem so no cutting your case anymore. Yeah,
0: well, and to be fair, oh I don't have it behind me anymore. Or oh, there it is. To be fair, my Amiga from the outside looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, the screws have must have been inserted and taken out so many times. All of the threading, for the that was all broken off. Yeah. I had to put in, uh, make a, some kind of uh, resin I got at Harbor Freight where you mix the two together and you can kind of make stuff and then let it harden. Yep. So, and then I drilled it out. So I, that whole case is kind of Frankensteined back together to begin with. Yeah. So it already was not pristine. Yeah. So I didn't feel that bad about tearing into it. But um, my, and then realistically- the- They're made to be played. I wasn't going to play that thing without the GoTech, so I made it work. And I wasn't about to have wires hanging out. It's a 500. That thing already takes up my entire shelf to begin with, space-wise. I can't have other accessories hanging off of it.
2: You know, with the machines I have, I'm never going to sell them. I'm going to keep them, so... What I do with them is my business. So I mean, darn it! I ripped put your a, foot down. I ripped up my Atari ST. Something I, sh- <laughs> I got to show you the uh, the debauchery the, the that happened with that. It, it's horrible. It's the worst work I've ever done. Because I took a Dremel to the You're case.
0: Like Semi proud of it.
2: Well, yeah, I took a, I took a Dremel to the case to fit a GoTech in that. Yeah, and I slipped like when I was using the Dremel, and it, it, there's a gash down the side of it. It looks mm. like. A, like a horror show, but whatever, it works. Works great. So that's all I care about. I'm, I'm never going to sell that. So that's
0: funny. Um, another quick note, especially after we mentioned the Nintendo thing, uh, Bethesda, the company mm. who makes games, modern, lot, games. really good games. Yeah. Yep. Um, they blocked the sale of used games on the Amazon marketplace. Well, that's which is weird. It's kind of crappy. I think there's a lot there, and I'm sure that's not the whole story, and I'm yeah. sure there's specifics but the fact that that's that kind of falls under that whole nintendo thing that's the reason i put that on here it's kind of like is that really something you think you can control you really think it's going to help your cause i don't know
2: so the bethesda they do uh skyrim they do fallout right
0: yep skyrim's their well yeah i guess those are both their big franchises
2: are you uh you gonna skyrim
0: which i'm sure is what sixty dollars on the switch
2: it is hey are you uh, are you going to get in on the Fallout seventy? Is it
0: Fallout seventy six? I don't buy things new.
2: You don't. <laughs> hmm.
0: I, okay. I actually so my my modern purchases. I bought well, we talked about last time GTA five for twenty bucks. Yeah. And then I have Horizon, which is a PS4 exclusive that's supposed to be amazing. So that's my next modern game that I have slated. Hmm. But I also got. I've also been more into buying the little mini games. Like I have Rad Rogers right there, which was yeah, like fifteen bucks. And I played through that in, like, four hours. I probably wouldn't pay it more, play it more than four hours, to be honest. That was not great. Um, no. Shantae is a great game.
2: Yeah. I've heard about that one.
0: Yeah. Um, on the Vita. And I have an, a, a list of those games. Ghostblade up there. Japanese Shmup for the PS4 I have up there. Um, Defenders of Ekron. I have a bunch of these kind of smaller $15, 20 games. A lot of them I've been importing from PlayAsia.com. Yeah. Um.
2: That's cool. I mean, we—I have a son who loves games, so we're getting Red Dead Redemption Two. Mm-hmm. We're getting,
0: you know, we. we yeah, and I, and I have so many games backlogged. I might as well wait until they're twenty bucks. Yeah, I, there's, it, it's nothing different to me to buy them now or then. Yep. I won't get to them by the time they're twenty bucks, anyways. Right. But, all right, some game releases I wanted to go over. Okay. And there's a lot of them. We'll go quick. I just want to try to get your uh, your opinions on some of these. Um, there's a game coming out called Super Clash Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is a Steam-type, it's a PC game. Yeah. But what I love about it, I, again, I'm not a fan of Super Smash Brothers because the gameplay kind of became this whole King of the Hill, really, right? Mm-hmm. Unless I'm mistaken, I didn't play very much of it. No. But you that's... push each other off the hill, and somehow you can like quadruple jump back onto the hill. Yeah. I don't get it. But this game is basically, they're, someone's making this, and I'm sure there's going to be legal ramifications. <laughs> it's going to be shut down quick. But they take all kinds of 8- and 16, 16-bit characters in their original looking form and it's, you go in there and you fight each other it's just like a, a, a battle arena with those characters doing those characters abilities yeah it right. looked really cool i'll
2: have to check that out i, I don't really play cool. a lot of pc games but i'll check it out
0: well yeah it, yeah i'm kind of the same way but i mean the concept is it's a cheap way to get it distributed yeah and it there's a lot of games and i would love to do a segment on that too about um pc specific games mm-hmm that are retro-inspired but um for example and this will, we'll talk about it in more detail when we get to that episode um uh AM2R have you heard of that mm-hmm, I have all right another metroid 2 remake AM2R mm-hmm. yes and uh that was up for I think 2 days before Nintendo cut that down now they had every right to because they were coming out with a, a replacement game as well and that game is basically um Metroid 2 yeah and uh, they did, and, uh, and Nintendo did eventually come out with it in Samus. Uh, was it Returns on the 3DS? Okay. So I played that game. Amazing game. Mm-hmm. I played Am2R. Amazing game. So if you like Super Metroid, which is considered by many people to be one of the best video games ever, yep. I like this better, Am2R, which is a completely fan. One guy did the whole game. It is so good.
2: Yeah, I've heard of it, but I haven't i haven't played it it so. is so good
0: and if nintendo's listening which of course i'm sure they're one of our millions of viewers <laughs> their um, legal team's probably listening <laughs> there you go um i if there's a way that they could take what that guy did and publish it somehow yeah it is such a good game he did such a great job um and again the the, the samus returns game is also really good it's different um Ultimately, the same storyline, but I mean, bosses were completely different. Yeah, uh, the AM2R game you did. There's a lot of the bosses you, you battle them in different ways. You got, it was really creative. Was not samey at all. I just I loved it. Cool. All nice right. Um, Last striker is being made by somebody, and this is a homebrew Jaguar release. It's a shmup. Okay. So that somebody's coming out with a Jaguar game.
2: That's awesome. <laughs> I, I would i would love to get a jaguar it's one of the systems that i feel like get it, um,
0: get it soon they're going nuts too
2: i know they are and they, they already have which is why i don't have one but uh i love i love the hardware i love those big chunky cartridges the the controllers are really nice
0: the controller which is basically a keyboard in your hand
2: yep i'm okay with that as long as they're well built yep um but i i've never found one for a good deal yeah. and i've been looking for one for like five years never found one that in decent shape to get so
0: yep one of these days we're going to go to somebody's aunt's house who is selling all their old video games Yeah, for 5 bucks each. That's the one gonna, that needs a mini. Snag like them. a Jaguar mini. Yeah. Ooh, there we go. <laughs> what, Tempest 2000 um, and three, uh, Alien vs. Predator. Yep. It's like three games worth playing on there from what, what I hear. Yeah. All right, another game. Um, uh, this game is called Super Life of Pixel that's coming out. I guess the original game was called Life a Pixel. This is Super Life of Pixel, another Steam PC game. Okay. But it's cool because as you're playing the game, go through 16 different visual styles as you're playing the game that are based on actual machines.
2: Yeah, and I've, I, I remember seeing it. Maybe that's the game I saw, the original one, but I remember like something like that.
0: Yeah, so I think, I mean, you might start with the Game Boy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, heard it, I heard it called Grello. Grello and ba- Black, which is like gray-yellow. Yeah. <laughs> Grello and Black. And then you work your way up to, you know, the 16-bit stuff, and eventually like Saturn, maybe three some 3D. I don't know. It's, yep. I just love that. A lot of games are starting to do that. Yep. I played uh, Evil Land 2 on Steam, yeah. and it did some of that, which is pretty fun, RPG. Started at Game Boy, worked your way through NES, and kind of yeah. that style of graphics. The thing I did like about it is it actually went to Spectrum as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it came with that kind of garish blackened... Yeah. Pixely screen. This one's cool to me. And I have not tried it. I really want to try it. Into the Blue. Now this is a legit Game Boy game. Okay. So it'll be play it's a Game Boy ROM, if you will. It's gonna be playable on a Game Boy. And it's a Tetris Attack inspired game. Mm. Have you played Tetris Attack? I have. Love that game. Yeah. Really good. Great puzzle game. Um, so homebrew. Um I'll have to look into it again and see if they're charging for it or what. So Hopefully it's a alarm
2: you can put on your original Game Boy, or can you put it on a Game Boy Advance or something like that?
0: Well, any, I mean, a Game Boy Advance will, Advance will play Game Boy games. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Pop that's... it on an EverDrive, or else um, I don't know if they're going to make carts. I don't know what the whole deal is. Yeah, because I, I have up, a, but...
2: I have the EverDrive for my GBA. It's awesome. It's you, you have that too? Yeah.
0: I have to catch up on Everdrives.
2: I, I went crazy on Everdrives. I bought them for almost everything that it was available for.
0: Yeah, I need to. I need to catch up. So my thing again is, I have. Um, well, I can come. I can grab these. Where do you get your Everdrives?
2: I get them straight from cricks Okay. K r i k z z. I get them straight. I've always purchased straight from him, and it's fast shipping
0: and it works great. Yeah. Do I sound distant? Yeah, you do. Uh, interesting. <laughs> So, again, me being a consumer whore. Yeah. um, Here, check this out. This is my NES EverDrive. The actual EverDrive is in my NES. Yeah. But I've been buying them through Stone Age Gamer, Gamer, which is on the front there. Yep. So, shout out to Stone Age Gamer.
2: I like how they put that picture on there. Yes.
0: (laughs) Super Mario 3 is on the box. Right. And Sonic over here. Yeah, see? Uh, This is my Genesis one. But it comes with this really slick package yeah um, no the packaging is nice it came with the SD card is in here for the, for this game it came, I got it with the SD card and I'll show you why in a second and it comes with stickers it comes with a bro booklet it's just it's packaging I'm buying paying for packaging yeah but um here uh let me go ahead and, and dig out one of these for you It's
2: an NES, so it's stuck down there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a nice case. Because I'll i tell you, I, I cheap out. I order just the circuit boards from, from yeah. him. And then I got like a dollar cartridge.
0: So what are you, what are you looking at there? It's Describe like a, it for our It listeners. is a
2: translucent case, a see-through clear case. And it has uh, a nice label on it. is EverDrive N8. Yeah, it's very nice. Same with the Mega Drive one.
0: Yeah. So what's cool about this is for no cost extra, notice also, look at the back of the screws. Yeah. So you get to pick out what color case you want. Yep. I just like the translucent clear. You can look right through and see the board. But you can get them translucent in blue, purple, whatever color, red. And then you get to pick what color you want the label to be. And then you get to pick what color you want the screws to be. Yeah. And then, let me see here. Let's look at one of these. Trying to remember. If you actually look at the SD card itself,
2: it has a nice label on it. Yeah, it says
0: yeah. N8 for the Nintendo Eight Bit.
2: Yep, I go super cheap. Like I, I, in fact, my N64 one I gutted like an NHL '94. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I used my, uh, I used my uh, Dremel to just dig out like a slot for the SD card. Like just dig it out. It looks all nasty. But yeah, it works.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so so my thing is. These probably cost fifty percent more than just the cartridges right but the just the presentation I just love it I don't know it's worth it to me to pay for the extra, but it also means I don't have as many because well they're the, not made of money
2: The beautiful thing about the everdrives is that they if you were to buy what three or four of the rare titles you've paid for it already yeah I mean not even three or four I mean well, if you buy one rare title, then you you've covered the cost of the EverDrive. Right? Yeah.
0: Well, and that's what I did is because uh, I have all these hard copies of games. I sold a chunk of them. Yep. And bought this. So essentially, I traded, if you want to call it that. Yep. Um, and you know that the um, I'm sure you do, but the vis- listeners might not. The Sega uh, Genesis EverDrive has a SMS pause button on the top. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't particularly want the Master System one because I can just shove this in my Genesis. Yeah, which is a master system on steroids.
2: I will tell you I did buy the – I bought both
0: because – You got gifted the second one. I saw that on your – Gifted? Yeah, I thought she'd get your wife gifted you that oh, one. Oh, she
2: did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, she yeah, – but it's our, both of our money. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get it. <laughs> um, but the problem with the Genesis one is it's not 100%. Like you can't play all the master system games. Some of them really glitch oh, really?
0: out. Yeah. Interesting, I didn't know that. But yeah, so, they, they literally shoved the pause button on top of the cartridge, which is yep. brilliant, because anybody who has a Master System knows yep. to pause it. You can't press nope. pause on the controller; you go to the machine and go hit the machine and do it the and, pause button on the machine.
2: It, it, and it whetted my appetite for Master System games because I could play enough to where I was like, "Oh, I really should get the Master System." So I got a
0: Master System. Might be a six good games selection. Yeah,
2: I would six love six
0: good games. I that. Yeah, gotcha. I don't even know how we got on that tangent.
2: But the nice thing is, the EverDrive for the Master System's pretty cheap as it is anyway. So,
0: without the box, <laughs> yeah. And I, I never all my even, stuff. Yeah. I never even
2: put that in a shell. It's still just a circuit board that goes in the top of the Master System. All <laughs> well, right, my whatever.
0: Turbo EverDrive is that way because it yeah. fits. Yep. All right, let me speed up on these. Yep. There's a game um, homebrew that was called Greel's Quest. Actually, it was for sale. Now it has made, been made free for the Sega Mega Drive slash Genesis. All right. So you can download that for free now. Very cool. These are some I'm excited about. Streets Streets of Rage Four is being made.
2: Yeah, I saw that. I saw the ads for that. And Streets of Rage Two on the Genesis probably my favorite game on the Genesis.
0: Yeah, I, we did talk about that last time. I haven't played it. To it's be honest. probably I played a little of my, bit of it. It's
2: probably my one of my favorite 16-bit games of all time.
0: And that's a popular opinion. Yeah, it's being made by Lizard Cube, who also made the Wonder Boy remakes.
2: Yeah, the Wonder Boy remakes on the Switch too, right? I mean, they are out on the Switch because I remember seeing. Yeah, they the did release the it switch on the Switch. Game. Yeah,
0: and they're probably it's probably sixty bucks on the Switch, but it's been twenty bucks on PS4 and yeah. Xbox.
2: <laughs> exactly. Just saying, no big deal. Yeah. Really. <laughs> well, I didn't buy it, so whatever. <laughs> I'll wait till it drops in price.
0: But I heard great things about that. How you can switch back and forth on the the Wonder Boy game. Okay. Switch back and forth between the original yeah. graphics to the new graphics, original sound, new sound. You can flip flop any way you want them. Yep. Um, and the gameplay apparently is identical or very close to it.
2: Yeah, that's neat.
0: Um, I just found out looking behind me earlier here while we were getting our beers ready that it looks like Lizard Cube is now making, um, you know, I need to turn around for this, a new Wonder Boy game with the, uh, it looks like the same graphics I, I don't have here, but they're coming out with a new Wonder Boy game. It's the Cursed Something. I just saw it on the computer here. Okay. And it looks like they're taking the Wonder Boy game that they already made and making a whole new story game out of it. That's cool. That's what it looks like.
2: Yeah. I've never gotten into I'm Wonder really Boy. I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Have you played Wonder Boy?
0: <laughs> That's a loaded question. Because Wonder Boy came in so many different forms and so many different variations. Have you played any of them? Well, so Adventure Island is Wonder Boy. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. But that has nothing to do with the other Wonder Boys, which have nothing to do with this Wonder Boy. Yeah. Um, I've, yeah, I've played Monster World, mm-hmm. which is, um, I do love Monster World. I played some of this Wonder Boy uh, game, uh, this RPG version of it, and um, I do want to dig into it because it's basically an action RPG. Yeah,
2: I should pl- I should tackle them because I- I've loaded them up and played like a level, and then yeah, I-, I mean I hear
0: you almost and then, like, almost everybody thinks I have yeah Wonder Boy three and the Dragon's Trap is the game we're talking about. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, pointing at it for my Sega Master System, often considered the best game on the system bar none.
2: Yeah, and I I know I've loaded it up and played it. And I just haven't gotten really into it, so.
0: Yeah, I want to do the same thing. It does start off with you being the character at the end of the game. And then your powers are stripped from you. Which I found out later after going, what the hell is going on? Yeah. (laughs) Because all of a sudden you're a dragon, you're kicking everything's butt. And then you're like a boy with no powers. I'm like, what? So excited about that. Um, I When I had my Sega Master System when I was younger, I played Alex the Kid Miracle World a ton. Yep. So, a company is remaking that, okay, in similar style to the Wonder Boy remake. It does not appear to be Lizard Cube. I don't know who it is, but it looks similar. Looks good, okay. Um, Pico Eight Spelunky D Make. Yeah, I heard about that. Called D Lunky, which makes sense. It's a D Make called.
2: That should be. Is that out yet?
0: I don't know. I heard it's coming. I don't think so.
2: Yeah, I, I saw that. I saw something on Twitter about that, and it yeah. looks good. From yeah, what I saw, cool. I saw the I saw the physics where he's jumping, and I was like, "Wow!" Because I I played Spelunky a lot on Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. Like that was one game I downloaded. It was cheap. I okay. So wasn't, it, that wasn't
0: yeah. that wasn't an Ouya thing for you? Nope.
2: No, no, not an Ouya thing. But I got it on the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty, and it was I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I do.
0: I did. Uh, it was free on PlayStation Network last month, so I got a copy of it. Okay. Or a digital copy of it, so I'll have to play it. Yep. Um so another hobby I'm into is retro or not retro. Into board games, which is very retro, it's pre video game. Yeah. Um you can see behind you there's a whole bunch of board games. Yep. The reason I bring this up is for a number of reasons. Um these are out and a lot of people are, are putting these on sale now, but there are actually some pretty decent games uh based on retro video games out. Uh, Centipede and Missile Command being two.
2: I saw those on them. the shelf at a game place in town and Yeah. Wanted to wait and kind of look and see if the reviews were any good on them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I go on BoardGameGeek.com. dot com. That's a, kind of the, mm-hmm. the mecca for board game information. Yeah, and uh, they got decent ratings, so they're not bad games. They're actually, yeah. you know, they're not in the top five hundred, but that's <laughs> not saying much because there's like sixteen thousand games on that website.
2: And BoardGameGeek is pretty, uh, pretty rough on games. Like, you, if they, if the, their top games are really good. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? They're 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 a harsh critic, which is good.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, Especially since
2: games are forty, fifty, hundred bucks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those things. You kinda get each industry has their own rating system. They're all different. With with modern video games, it's like nine point five is amazing and eight point zero is why would you play this? It's like yeah. this weird thing. With board games, yep. if you're above an eight, there's only like ten games that are above an eight. The majority of games are like six. Yeah. And then fives are never play this. So yeah. You just kind of got to know the metric you're working with. It's it's different in every hobby. Um, but there's a game company out there, and I have a few of their games called Yellow. How would you spell Yellow, by the way? Do you know? Are you familiar with this company?
2: Yeah, isn't it like uh, Y E L L O or something? Like hello, but yellow.
0: It's I E. I. That's right. That's
2: right. That's yeah. You're right. And I could
0: not pronounce that for the longest time. Then someone said, "Oh, you mean yellow?" I'm like, E L L O. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, I have some of their games up there. Anyways, they're coming out with a game called the 8-Bit Box. Hmm. And there's literally, I have to show you a picture of this thing. The whole game is based off of old 8- and 16-bit systems. And you're playing through the game. and the, You're playing a Genesis. You're playing a Super Nintendo without actually being called those things. But it's very obvious what they are. Yeah, uh, Very cool-looking game. Check that out. 8-Bit Box. Um, couple uh, last ones here. Um, messenger came out, which is a Castlevania style game. What's that on PC? I think that's a PC steam game as well. Okay. I'm sure they're going to start porting this stuff. Yeah. I'm the same way. If it's on PC, uh, it's kind of like my, my, uh, Raspberry Pi. I'll try it out, play it a little bit, maybe if it's cheap, but if it shows up on a console, I'll buy it and play it.
2: Yeah. I, I'm the same way. I, I don't play a lot of PC games, but yeah. You
0: know. Um, there was a make of resident evil four. Resident evil four is one of my top five games of all time. I don't know if you played it.
2: I don't think I have
0: very good very good game, very immersive um got rid of all the um terrible controls of the original games
2: that's good because that's my big complaint about the original games is yeah I can't control them
0: and uh it's very controllable, but it's still it's and it's more action based okay, but it's not just an all out first person shooter it's definitely story driven yeah. adventure game with action elements, but it's much yeah it's really good okay. Uh, anyways, there's a demake, and it's going to be completely web-based. Wow. And it's a 2D platformer now.
2: Oh, you don't hear about that. Yeah.
0: And so it, I was reading up on it, and it's got, like, key control, keyboard controls, which I'm sure you can map to your 8-bit do or whatever.
2: Yeah. Well, that um, sounds pretty neat. It
0: looks really cool. In a similar vein, I just noticed that Portal is being demade for the C64. Yeah,
2: I heard about that. See, I
0: love demakes, and this is why. You take a game that I already know and love, and they could probably even use the same puzzles. But they're turning it into a completely different type of game, which is a side-scrolling platformer.
2: Yeah, it should be interesting how they handle the portal because I imagine it's going to be two D.
0: I'm going to be all yeah. I've seen if you I've seen screenshots already. Yeah, it looks killer. I'm going to be all over that. Cool. That is cool. Yeah. Um, Rick Dangerous is being released for the SMS, Sega Master System. Um, this is going to make I think UK people more happy than.
2: Yeah, Rick As Dangerous, yanks. interesting game. I mean, I remember when I played it, I think I played on the Commodore 64, and it was...
0: Uh, you played for an hour and got three screens in?
2: Yeah, it was pretty tough. It's, it's brutal. It's, it's brutally tough, and uh, those games I don't usually spend a ton of time on. I'm not I'm not into torturing myself over the Yeah, I it's have fun. nuts.
0: It's absolutely nuts. Yeah. Um, but it does look good, and it's another port, so I'm not huge on ports, but I thought it was worth noting. Yep. Um, the last thing I have written down here is the age of, uh, I can't read my own handwriting. I'm gonna have to look this up.
2: (laughs) Age of.
0: It's a new C64 game. This kind of looks like, there's always one big C64 title. Yeah. On the horizon. And this seems like this is the one right now. Age of Heroes is the name of of the game. (laughs) Yes, I went and looked it up. Okay. Um. But it looks like a pretty solid title that's being released. So I guess that's the one that, that we're looking forward to. I'll do a little more research on that one. So. Uh, that is the news. Right on. I think, unless there's anything I missed. Um, quick thing I wanted to touch on, and we'll go into our six good games. Why did we call the show Pixel Guide In? Why did we? Our listeners have been clamoring to figure this out. Now you haven't. Um, <laughs> What, what does that mean what does pixel guidance mean to you
2: mean to me <laughs> well I, I remember when we were talking and you can correct me if I'm wrong here because my memory is notoriously poor but eh. I remember we were talking about coming up with the t- name for the podcast and I remember I think you had talked about guidance and what the term what 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 it meant
0: which is essentially and again this is from a person who doesn't speak Japanese but a lot of games have the word guide in it uh Tetris Gaiden, by the way, great two player Tetris game. Yep. Uh, you know, Pixel uh Pixel Guiden, Ninja Gaiden, of course, is the main one. Yep. That's um Darius deal. Gaiden. Yep. Um there's a lot of them. And to my knowledge, unless I'm completely wrong and my tattoo is completely wrong. We no, <laughs> always hear jokes about people with the wrong tattoo. But uh, it means side story. Yeah. So basically if you have a main series going, you can do a side story based off of something.
2: Right. And I remember we we talked about I, was, I threw out the term pixel perfect, and I remember you specifically saying I hate games that are pixel perfect, <laughs> and I said, yeah, but pixel's a pretty good name, you know, and so I think that's, I think that's how we've combined those two terms.
0: Yeah. is that, that And it makes right? sense, because we're talking about pixels, and we're ta- it's kind of a, this is our little side shoot here, our little, yeah. sh- we're not mainstream, we're not putting out any history, we're not putting out any news, we're just talking, this is our side story, so. Yep. Cool. All That's,
2: right. So we talked about that. Someday there'll be a wiki, like a website that'll talk about the history of Pixel Gaiden yeah, after our yeah. thousandth episode. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Not,
0: not after we're dead.
2: And they're going to be like, we'll live forever. What, what did Pixel Gaiden mean? What, <laughs> what were these guys talking about a 100 years
0: ago? There you go. After we're like bitter enemies because we made it huge, and we didn't give <laughs> each other credit for things. And, it, it, right. Yeah. Gotcha. Perfect. All right. Time for Six Good Games. Yep. yep. So as we talked about last week, we did a uh, TurboGrafx-16 games. Yep. Otherwise known as. as. far as PC Engine. Hey-oh. And we are cutting out Sega CD or Sega CD. PC Engine CD games. Right. Because we didn't really have since, a good way to play those. Since we-
2: Neither of us have the real hardware. for Yeah, that. and
0: we can emulate it, but I want to play the real thing. It just it yep. it honestly feels different. Yeah. Uh, we're being a little snobby there, but it's it does feel different. That being said. Um, we also made a rule, which I already called Eric on, uh, which is funny.
2: I forgot we made the rule, so I was, <laughs> I was like, I got all these games, and
0: yeah. Yeah, the, the rule was uh, we can only pick a shmup each. Because
2: because, yeah, I mean, when I think of PC Engine, it's a shmup console. And it really is. I, I, I love, love kind of the an, shmups on there.
0: It's kind of an unfair rule, but what I was trying to get away from is... When you think that system, you already have top ten games, and they're mostly shmups yep. you know, for a lot of people.
2: No, it's a good rule, and uh, it, it made me it made me delve into the library further to try to remember the games I liked way back when. And
0: There's only one game on this list that I knew you were going to pick. In fact, I tried to guess yours, and I was wrong except for one. Okay. And you already know which one that is.
2: Yep. So who's going to go first? I'm going to
0: let you go first. Ooh, I'll take a quick moment to point out another flub from last episode. Okay. No one else called us on this. What was it? What is the title of this segment?
2: Uh, six Good Games?
0: Correct. So why did you do three good games, and I only did two, and I gave up? Oh, did you only do I two? didn't give my third game. <laughs> I don't. I didn't even notice. <laughs> I was listening to it, and I'm like, Cody, what are you doing, dude? There's no third oh, game. no. Yep. I totally uh, That's failed. Right. I had it written down. I had it picked out and everything, and I totally dropped the ball. My bad. Uh, it was Pico 08. Uh, we did Green Legion. I did Dink Tomb, and my third game, no one will ever know, and you'll just have to wonder. Yep. All right, let's All go right. ahead and let you start this one off, uh, Eric. What's your, what is your first uh, good game? Not your top games, okay. Necessarily.
2: Fair enough. I, I think the first one I'll talk about is Military Madness.
0: I, I have heard of this one,
2: and I think in,
0: strategy in, game.
2: Yeah, and I think in Japan it is called Nectaris,
0: so you might see. That's the, why I got it confused with another game.
2: Was that? New,
0: Newtopia? It does sound like Newtopia, yes. Yeah.
2: And I got them I got the names confused, although the games are completely different. But so Military Madness is a turn based
0: war game mm-hmm. strategy game. I love me some turn based.
2: Well, and and that goes way back to when I was a kid. I loved turn based war gaming, like on the Commodore sixty four and uh and the Amiga. There was a game called Perfect General that I loved. And military yeah. madness is a lot like Perfect General. What?
0: Sorry, wasn't there a game about like Oh Mule? Mule, that... yeah, Mule, is a turn-based
2: game, but it's more like a board game. It's not really a like what okay. I would call a war game. War game is where you have yes pieces. Yes. I, know, you know, I know the difference. Yeah, Absolutely. like tanks or whatever. And I remember another one on Cover Sixty-One was War Game Construction Set, where you could build your own. And I love that. But anyway, Military Madness is like that, and that is on PC Engine. You have it's set in space, though, so you have like tanks. You have artillery you have you have soldiers and you the goal is to take over the enemy's headquarters and so you're on this map and you face the ai and you you go through there's like a there is a a map of the Almost like you know the like in Super Mario, you the world map, the
0: overworld, yeah. It's yeah. like
2: got an overworld map, and you just have to go through it until you get to the final battle. That's on Nectaris.
0: So when you go through the map, you're going to individual tactical battles. Correct. Oh, that is, right and it just alley. zooms in to the tactical
2: yes. battle, and uh, it's a lot more. There, there's some complexity to it. You can you can create new unit types with the with the factory, um, where you go in there and you tell it which piece you want to make, and it comes out. But that's later in the later battles. But, so it
0: does a pretty good job of hand holding you through the game as you learn yep. it. Yep.
2: Yeah, it's not hard to pick up at all if you're used to wargaming and how to. And the one thing it doesn't, I mean, you have to get used to is like if you have a, um, a a unit that is on your side right next to you, you get a bonus. Things like that. Things, basic wargaming components. Yeah. So exactly. you want to know some of the basic things, but I love that game. And I, 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 I revisited it and I played through and I got maybe about two thirds of the way through. Oh, right. Yeah. How long did that take? It took about. Oh, not, not that long, two hours, two and a half hours, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm going to get addicted to that. Yeah. How would you uh, compare it to like Advanced Wars on the GBA? It's a lot
2: like it, a lot like it. And I love Advanced That's Wars. That's what it
0: looks like to me. And So yeah. yeah, I fell in love with that game as well. Oop. My only issue with these games, and it's you can call it a niggling issue, but it's also a huge issue at the same time. So Advanced Wars is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. I loved that game. I played hours and hours of that game, got to the very last level. The problem with when they rank up the difficulty on those games is the last level doesn't become a strategy game or a tactical game as much as it becomes a puzzle. Yeah, because at that point there's only one right answer.
2: Right, GBA's. I mean, um, sorry, um, military Madness isn't like that. You still have to use your, you yeah. know, just basic. You know, there's terrain bonuses. Like if you're above, yeah. like high ground and stuff like that, it, it it's pretty faithful to traditional wargaming. That's why I like it so much.
0: Did you play uh, tabletop war games back in the day? Or
2: I did. Really? But I can't remember the name of the main one I played, but it was, like I mean, we're Warhammer talking about late 80s. No, this was even before then. Yeah. I played uh, Starfleet Battles, which is a, a tactical Starfleet kind of game. Okay. Um, but it, it, it's, it, it just r- rings all those bells of all those old games I really liked.
0: I'll try that one. That all sounds right? awesome. Yep, I, I, I remember that being called Nictaris, but in my mind it was called Newtopia. Yep. But completely wrong. So when I picked my games, yep. I wanted to make sure to pick games that I loved, that are very good, but a lot of people haven't tried. Okay. Um, did you get a chance to play any of these? Actually, I, um, I think you already asked you. You said no.
2: I did probably didn't because I was busy trying to play some of mine.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And why would you pick some of these? I mean, they sound some of them sound very boring. Actually, they all sound like games I would never click on. Um, so I kind of had to be tipped off on these. But the first one is... Batman. Hmm. So off the top of your head, what kind of game is Batman?
2: It would be well, the, all the Batman's I've played are platform. Wrong. So what is it? <laughs> what kind of game is it?
0: Um, I kind of wrote it down here. It's it's a maze style, almost like a Pac Man game with Bomberman power up, power ups.
2: Oh, that sounds interesting.
0: Yeah, it doesn't. It, I love Bomberman. Yeah, why? Well, now you do. <laughs> um, it's interesting. So it's it's a top down map kind of game, but it's not simplistic it's you're going through cities and there's tower well so the, the first world if you want to call it that i think it's five or six levels you're in the city it's based after the uh, michael keaton yeah. batman movie from okay is that late 80s early 90s yeah something like that and so the first world if you want to call it you're in is you're going through the city at night the clowns are around with the balloons and you're trying to release all the balloons before they release the noxious gas yeah so basically you're just it, it's a collect-thon it's like Bomberman, except the goal is not necessarily to kill everybody it's to collect all the power-ups so you're just going through this maze. Um, if a clown's walking towards you and they're usually programmed, they're on a programmed path, uh, you can throw a bat, uh, ring, is what they call it, right? Stun them. And then you can, while they're stunned, you can walk over them and they'll fly off the screen for a few seconds and they'll reappear somewhere. Hmm. So you're just trying to get through these obstacles, collect all the power-ups. Some of the power-ups are Bomberman style where they make you faster or allow you to throw two or three batarangs at a time instead of one. Okay. Um, but ultimately there's something to collect on every level a key, if you will, um, a metaphorical key. You get all ten keys, you pass the level. Okay. Very simplistic. The whole yeah. game is a very simple um, uh, gameplay. You know exactly what you're doing when you start playing it.
2: I'll have to try that. That sounds really good. Yep.
0: It moves on to further levels. Yeah, I think you go to the art museum, where you're basically trying to clean the graffiti off the art before the security guards catch you or before the bad guys are who are running around are doing things. The uh, theme changes. The gameplay is more or less the same. Um, but they keep adding something, so the art level there's um uh elevators basically where you can go to different parts of the level um that you can't access unless you use the elevator um really, it's one of those games where you're if you start it, you're not necessarily gonna die, you can play for half an hour easily without losing without you know getting to the point where you have to start the game over, yeah, so it's easy enough where you're gonna pick it up and play and just love it and not it's you can't put it down and just keep going the uh what do they call it the uh, gratis the, the satisfaction loop yeah of finishing a level and feeling good about it it happens quick enough where you're just like i need to keep going i need to keep going um but it's not difficult to the point where you're going to have to practice a lot if you play through the, through this two or three times you'll probably beat it that's cool
2: i didn't even know there was a batman game on the
0: yep All right. um right on yeah there's some mimes there uh, i say mimes the, the they are mimes right they were mimes not necessarily clowns that's right so some of them are slow, some are fast. Um, some of them will shoot at you, so you kind of got to walk in front of them, have them shoot, walk out of the way, dodge the bullet, go back, and then battering them. Um, right on? Yeah, very interesting. That's my first game.
2: All right. I'll go through my second game. It'll be pretty quick. Um, so that is my shmup. This is my shmup pick. And the reason I tried this game a long time ago when I first got my TurboGrafx 16 was I wanted to try... In fact, I tried this one... I had to wait till I get, got my PC Engine for this one, because I had to my my Turbo Graphics one. No, that's right. With the EverDrive, you can play the different one. So I did try this on my TG16, but I had heard that the most expensive game or one of the most expensive yeah, games you always
0: was, go to that one first, right? Was Just Magical cause.
2: Chase because I figured if you so did you it, it, play
0: Cheetah Men Two when you got your NES EverDrive? I didn't play that one. No.
2: <laughs> but I was like, what's the hype? I want to know why Magical Chase. You have to like mortgage your house to actually buy it. So. I tried it, and I got to say it's – I don't know if it's worth the money it's going for these days, but it is an awesome shmup. It is a –
0: Cute-em-up. Sh-
2: yeah. What would I say?
0: Well, you said shmup, but it's a subgenre of a shmup. It's cute-em-up. Okay. Right? Have you yeah. heard of cute-em-up? I haven't heard of that. Oh, okay. It's, well, it's a shoot-em-up, but with cute characters.
2: Oh. And <laughs> it, so so it it is that. And it – the color the, – the palette on it is very bright and colorful. Um, the sound is great. The music, um, it uses the graphics on it are amazing. I don't know if you've have you played Magical Chase. I have the the that level where the three D cubes are coming at you. They're they're like part yes. of the
0: boss. That's pretty slick. Um, it's it's definitely one of these shmups where you can play through it just by dodging and shooting things but there's a lot of power-ups and things that you have to learn how they work
2: yeah and i like the shops you fly into the little yeah. shop that looks almost like a horn <laughs> it's really weird but you just a fly... few
0: on the tg-16 that do that yeah
2: right? ordine's like... one of them um, and that's
0: because the vast majority of the games on the system were made by nec right or sunsoft nec
2: or hudson soft, hudson soft that's yeah. what i'm thinking yes um but magical chase i mean i i i really do like it now i mean is the price worth it I would wow. never pay that much for, a, no. for for a game, but playing it on the EverDrive, I mean, it is a fantastic shmup, and it's I I, I had a lot of fun with it, and I yeah. I've, I think I've only gotten about halfway through the game because it, it gets really tough.
0: You're a witch. You've got these um, shields in front of you. You can move around a little bit, right? And you yep. can lock them into place to block, to block things. Yep. Which I do love. Um, I don't know if you played a uh, uh, Gradius Five on the PS2, but my favorite thing to do on that game is you can there's an option or an, an option pun intended, Mm -hmm. to take your options and lock them in place around you. Yeah. Because you can do different things with your options. So that's one of the ships you can choose is to lock your options. It's kind of similar. Yeah. And I just love that mechanic of being able to put your shields where you want them, lock them there. Yep. Play and move your shields later for a different enemy, lock them there.
2: Did you, did you, um, do you remember Magical Chase? The menus were in Japanese, right? Did you, did you have a translated version?
0: I don't recall. Because
2: my at least the ROM that I have is Japanese. But it doesn't matter because you can pretty much figure everything out.
0: No, it's interesting you bring that up because the one thing I do remember is you were excited to show me that game. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I had actually already played through it and beaten it. Now, I say that with caveats because I was so excited to tell you that because you're like, yeah, I can't get past like the third level in this game. It's really tough. And I'm like, yeah, I beat it. Right, right, right. And then you're like, really? You beat it? And then I saw you start the game. And when you start the game... The menu pops up normal, and usually I hit start. That's the normal mode. The game turns on, you hit start. But you actually went out of your way and noticed that when you start the game up, it says easy. Right. And you change it to normal and then started. Yeah. I didn't take the time to even look at that. So, yeah, I beat the game on easy.
2: Which is fine. It's still pretty impressive. The game's not that that easy on easy.
0: It, it took me. I only took me about two or three times, and I'm yeah. not trying. To, but so yeah, I guess I'm actually pretty proud of that because I did go try to play it on on normal, and yeah, I got my butt caked on. Like, and level I think three. I
2: think I've only played it on normal. Yeah. Which I should go and play it on easy. It's to worth
0: see. playing on easy so you can play through the whole thing. I mean, yeah, you, you know, I mean, if you want to try to be better and play normal later, go yeah. for it. But it's fun I do new.
2: I do like the game. But anyway, it's let's, a good game. We'll keep that short because people can check that out. Ah, oh,
0: whatever. I like to talk. <laughs> All <laughs> so right, we'll, my second game. Yep. Mr. Helly, have you played this one?
2: It sounds familiar. Tell me about it. Um, is, that, is that a helicopter like a, a shmup, right?
0: It is. This is my shmup. Okay. But it's interesting because it's not a typical scrolling shmup like Magical Chase, which is side-scrolling, by the way. It
2: is. It's horizontal.
0: I want to make sure we explain the game for people who haven't seen it. I, I keep, we, we see it in our heads. It's hard to remember. Yeah, yeah, We're amateur podcasters here, right? We're not big time yet. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is a side-scrolling sh- em up Mr. Helly is also a cute-em-up. It's a pretty cute art. There's a lot of cute-em-ups on the the PC Engine. Yeah. But what's interesting about it is it starts, the game starts as a, I'm going to call it a static shmup. So the screen scrolls when you scroll, when you go. Okay. Um, You can't go backwards, but you go forward when you're ready to go forward. Uh, There is a button to shoot uh, ahead of you. So shooting stuff coming at you. But the the main gameplay of the game is there are uh, bricks above and below you and different levels and kind of hidden in different caves if you will Um, so you can also shoot up and you have to shoot through all the bricks and under the bricks uh, there's treasure you're collecting treasure so you're kind of shooting up while shooting out to kill the enemies and you can also drop missiles down because there's also bricks below you with treasure oh wow so you're shooting up you're shooting down you're trying to keep the enemies at bay it's kind of frantic you're constantly going it's not manic by any means but there's always someone there. You're it's kind of a constant action game.
2: Yeah. So at first it sounded familiar, but I I haven't played that. Yeah. Because that sounds interesting, and I, I it's really
0: thinking. and again it's really simple. You play it, you instantly grasp the gameplay. Yeah. But what's cool about it, and I've noticed this about a number of these uh, games, is the first level plays like that, and then there's a boss, and the boss battles are pretty creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, how you have to beat them is different every time. And the next level, all of a sudden, there's sections that scroll, like up. Oh, the game changed. I mean, the core mechanics are there. You always know what you're going to do. And then enemies start coming at you from a different angle or a different side. And all of a sudden, now we're scrolling vertically. We're going up a tower. Yeah. And so you're, you're you're shooting up more, or dropping bombs. or The gameplay never necessarily changes, but the way the level moves and the way enemies come at you is different. And basically changes the gameplay level by level or even during levels.
2: Oh, I'll have to try that out. Yeah. Because I'm confused. There's another shmup that has Heli in the title. Yeah. I think it might have been on the Commodore 64, but...
0: I remember on the NES there was Tiger Heli.
2: That's what I'm thinking of. Because Tiger Heli was also... There was a CCC4 version, so that's the one. But that's that's kind of a
0: pretty generic... That's uh, a generic uh, vertical vertical. scrolling, yeah. Yeah.
2: Cool. All right, well, I'm going to try that one out.
0: Oh, and it does do one thing in the game that you never see much. What is that? Uh, I mentioned it scrolls left to right, and up, and then sometimes down, and then right to left.
2: Oh, that's nice.
0: Which blows your mind because it's really hard to use of that. You never see that.
2: No, <laughs> not in the same game. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah.
0: Well, even I mean, I think uh, the sheet 'em up construction kit for the Commodore sixty four. Yeah, had a limitation where you kind of went left uh, right to left. Yep, which is just weird. I They're, can't play any of those games. And
2: I think there's a hack to to reverse that.
0: Yeah, it yeah, just mirrors the whole thing. I think
2: there's some kind of hack you can download that changes it. So it's really weird huh.
0: if you ever never played a game right to left it throws you for a loop. It really shouldn't, but it does. (laughs) What's your next game?
2: Uh, The next one was, and this one, I was really fishing. I tried a bunch of games to try to find one. So I only had about three days to play this game. So I haven't played it too far, but I really like it. And it is Newtopia. So that is an action RPG, which you you said you really Uh, like. I do. And it is very Zelda-like. But it does a lot of things that I like that say like a Zelda doesn't, especially in the controls, the
0: inventory system. Well, it, it had a good uh, blueprint to start with.
2: Yeah, it did have a good. And people, if you look up reviews on this game, they they say this is like this is exactly like Zelda. Yeah. It is just a Zelda clone, and it's, I guess, uh, unashamedly a Zelda clone. I mean, they they knew what they were doing here when they copied it, but. It does have a simple, basic storyline. You're supposed to find these eight medallions and save a princess, and then you can save the world with these things. So that I doesn't mean, doesn't
0: sound ripped off at all.
2: <laughs> there it is. Um, it it's the goal is simple, but at least it's something you can grasp. It's not too hard to figure out. You have a little compass in your inventory that tells you where. Like when you're get, it's almost like hot potato. Like when you're getting close to. Or hot or cold, I mean, like when you're getting yeah. close to it, it starts to beep and tells you
0: where the medallion oh, nice. is. So, I mean, um, you don't, going back to Zelda, you I mean you don't have to spend years of your life uh, attacking every bush on the screen? That is to correct. To try to find when how I played, the game continues? Yeah,
2: when I played Zelda, I would look for a strategy guide. Like, um, I'm not going to waste my time. I'm going to go look and try to figure this one out. Well, when that
0: game came out, that wasn't a thing.
2: Right. Well, I, I can't it imagine. Years later. I played
0: Zelda for the first time, the original Zelda, about two <clears> years ago. Okay. And I was on the computer constantly just going, what do I do next? I'm not doing this. And I
2: played it probably six or seven years ago for the first time because I, yeah. I didn't have it on the original Nintendo. And I, I did the same thing. I went to go look and figure out what the hell am I going to do next. Because if I'm, if I'm wandering around that world trying to figure it out, I'll be there for – that'll yeah. turn into a 100-hour game.
0: And it, and back in the day, that was a good proposition. Yeah. Not so anymore.
2: So anyway, Newtopia kind of streamlines the, your goal a little bit better but it's kind of the same tropes that are in yeah. Zelda, but it's fun. I mean, if you like the action RPG, you, you can have an inventory system. You find a sword, you, you find these potions, you
0: uh, fairy in a bottle.
2: Yeah. And there's a utopia. <laughs> there's a utopia two as well. And I haven't looked into that yet, but Ooh,
0: that's a CD one, isn't it? I think it is. So better so, audio, better audio.
2: And then one other thing this does, which kind of blows is that it has password system, so oh, really? you can save, but it doesn't save to the cartridge or to a whatever. You have to put in this long 16, I think, character password. It might even be longer than that.
0: But you can cheat really easily. Yeah. If you go look <laughs> up the password, you could <laughs> like. That's your thing. Yeah. Cool. Yep. All right. So this last one, I get, apparently it's kind gonna of. going to make
2: sure you get this one. Uh, yeah. You get six. all three. Number six
0: out of yeah. our six good games, Gamola Speed. And I probably pronounced that wrong wrong uh have you heard of gamola speed
2: i've heard of doesn't the gamola isn't that like a small franchise oh i don't know i think there are other games with that okay either character or game element tell me about it and i'll let you know but i think that apparently
0: it's a a, uh, it must be a cult classic i'm I'm sure a lot of people do know about this game it sounded like it was uh, in a lot of top 20s at least okay um very cool again I, i You'll, you'll see a, uh, I think a lot of the TurboGrafx-16s are just good for being simple mm-hmm. they're really smooth yep now they, they really there's a side tangent but the thing I do love about the system and maybe it's more the fact that Hudson made all the games mm-hmm. that makes it feel this way but the games have this smooth feel about them yeah I don't know how to explain it like everything just goes when you want it to go it just everything flows seamlessly right um, where as again at the time it was in between the NES and the Genesis mm-hmm the NES of course had lots of shortcomings because they were making a very archaic system do really amazing things at this point right but you know uh, chunky it didn't feel as smooth it felt yep like you were forcing something to do that Genesis it felt the same way to me Uh, on a different I mean it was the graphics were better but like Altered Beast was out at that point which was this horribly chunky game. Hard yeah. impossible to play, in my opinion. I, I do not like the game. No, me either. Um, you know, Sonic went fast, but same thing. It wasn't smooth. I mean, it was smooth and fast, but you kind of had to wait for your for your uh, mem- momentum to come back and stuff. The games just, especially the shmups, but even a game like this, or Batman, or Mr. Helly, they just felt good. Yeah. Which is really cool. Um, You kind of... And the emulation kind of does it, but the real system really—you really get the sense of it with the direct um, input with no lag.
2: There's definitely a reason to get real TG16 or yes. PC Engine hardware, and it's—it's uh, it's also the like I, I hate to keep harping on the color palette. I've never seen a uh, console so brilliant, like in like like in that genre, like very vibrant. It's very vibrant, very crisp, and that, thats probably due to the quality hardware they used in these systems. Mm. Um, good sound. I mean, it's all around a a very good console, but you're right. The programmers Hudson soft did a really good job.
0: And that's probably a large part why it lends itself so well to cutem But yeah, back to this game. It's a Japanese only release. Okay. Um, uh, Which I think Mr. Healthy was as well, by the way. Anyways, uh, Japanese only release with, um, you know, no text that you need to worry about. And how do you describe this game? It's kind of like snake. You know, the old Motorola game, or mm-hmm. before that, it was. But you start in a. The first room is just a square, and it's kind of a top down, if you want to call it that. And you're just a ball, an orb. And there's orbs bouncing all over the place. Those are your body parts. You just kind of direct yourself to touch those balls. When you do, it adds to your snake until your snake gets longer and longer and longer. And um, if there's enemies running around too, if the enemies touch anywhere you in your snake, it separates you at that point. All the balls behind you, behind that point, bounce all over again. You try to collect them all again. Mm. Um, again, it's really intuitive and simple. It might sound complex when I t- describe it all. If you hit button two, you speed up. And if you let go, you go to a normal speed. So you kind of have a speed boost you can use whenever you want. You can hold it down all the time if you want. Uh, you can hit button one to drop a bomb. I'm going to call them the butt bomb. But comes the <laughs> body or tail, there's a bomb. Right. And that can stun enemies. And then the, the point of the game is you collect your body parts so that you're long enough so that you can go around items, make a circle around them to where you actually go back and bite your own tail while the item is in the middle. Does that make sense? You can yep. circle the item. Yep. And at that point, um, if you want to call it food or whatever, uh, you do all the those items that it opens a gate to the next level. Okay. That's the basic gameplay. But kind of like Mr. Helly, um, oh, yeah, and if the enemies touch your head, you die. Okay. But if they so touch your body, you just disconnect. You disconnect.
2: What if you touch your own body, not on the end of your tail, but in the middle of your body? Does it... break You're fine. it? You're fine? You're fine. You just go through yourself?
0: I think so. Okay. Yeah. It's not an issue. Okay. <laughs> not an issue. Not an issue. All right. Um, but it's interesting because, it, again, it starts with that basic concept. Level two, you do that again, but the first time you clear everything, a key appears, and the key opens the door, you go to the next portion of that room, and then it shows hmm. you that. And then it comes to this next level where you're trying to freeze enemies and then circle them to get rid of them all. That becomes the goal, and then it, it just kind of keeps going. There's, there's they start introducing bosses. Um, it's just again one of these games that's really simple, really uh, just feels good to play. So you Has said it was Japanese.
2: It was from. It's a Japanese only game, right? Yes. So is all the instructions and stuff in Japanese? So there how did really you? None. Oh, there really isn't. So, how did you know the goals in each level? Like, it's uh, it's, it's pretty self-evident. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they they, they cool. walk, again they
0: walk you through it. They're like, go. Oh, if I touch these, it adds to my body. Cool. What if I touch that? Oops, I died. That's an enemy. Don't right. touch that. What's that? I have no idea what that is. Um, well, I'll have to try ooh, I that. Went around it. It opened something. How did you How
2: would you come across that game?
0: Uh, just exploring. Internet. Yeah. Internet search, to be honest. Just right, right on. Trying to find. I mean, you can find the same top twenty games all over the place, but yeah. I'm like, what's what are some obscure ones?
2: Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, well, I'll have to try
0: that game too because that sounds Gamola Speed. I'll try that out. Right on. Cool. That was six good games. And I think that's an episode. Yeah, I have so much more to talk about, but I think we are good.
2: We'll have to save them for next. Uh, the next.
0: There's gonna to be topics about like 2018 back when you know two years down the road. We're like, oh, we still haven't gotten to that yet. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, hopefully my pocket chip will be working the next time we do this.
2: Yeah. We're going to work on that.
0: Anything you're looking forward to?
2: Nothing comes to mind right now. No. Nope. Well, Actually, I'm looking forward to playing the your PC Engine games because so I didn't get a chance to play them, or your TG-16 ones.
0: There you go. Not the Pico-8. <laughs> my,
2: my curiosity with that comes and goes. Right now, I'm at a low point. So.
0: I, for me, those are such quick, simple games. I want the, the ability to flip something on and play them and yep. then turn it off. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't have that. I have to go connect my eight-bit do to my computer. Then I have to open, you know, the web browser. Then I have to go ahead and open Joy to Key to make the connector, the the controller connect. It's just easy. I want to flip something on. That's what I want the pocket chip to do. Well, darn it!
2: Just to let the listeners know, I let you borrow mine today, so you
0: we'll see what happens.
2: Try it out. Take take as long as you need, and we'll we'll try to figure out your other one.
0: Uh, I do want to give a quick shout out, and I can tell more about this story um, next time uh but i did uh sell a pinball machine um these guys I'll, I'll tell the story now i'll be quick about it but these guys uh came down they were heading back from seattle um uh, told me they wanted to buy the game they showed up with a, a large diesel pickup truck that had seven pinball machines on it i'll have to show you a picture of this thing and uh they wanted to buy the game they went ahead and picked up my game it's really cool i asked them what you know wild machines Turns out they own um, two locations, one in Seattle called Atta Amusements. And I looked that up online. It's this really kitschy place with, like, uh, paint splatters all over the wall. It looks kind of um, horror-themed almost, but it looks like a really cool place. And like I guess they have leagues and stuff. And what they were doing is they went up to Seattle to pick up a few of the games up there and drop off um, games and pick them up and take them down to their other location, which is called Waltz in L.A. Oh. And that place I looked up online, and it looks like a... Um, uh, like an old uh, soda fountain—is is that what they call those? The uh, pop shop, or what is the '50s term for? Yeah, where the kids would go get a soda and a hot dog.
2: Yeah, I know. I know. God, it has—it does have a name to it. Like yeah, a soda jerk or something. Yeah, well,
0: that's what the guys behind the counter were called, right? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. But I don't remember the name of the place. You're not quite that age. Yeah, I <laughs> know. <Yeah.
0: laughs> no. <laughs> um, so what's cool about it is these guys. Uh, again, I'm giving them a shout out. So if you're in Seattle, check out all Amusements. If you're in LA, uh, go check out Waltz. And my uh, Paragon pinball machine will be there on route, Wow,
2: yeah, when did you do that? Was that a few couple uh, days a couple days ago was it was a guy in like a pickup truck or you said it was a diesel truck?
0: Yeah, I can tell you it's a pickup truck, but was it kind of black uh black and red if I re- remember correctly
2: I saw a, I may have saw it because really? I, I i was I went to the grocery store like at seven or eight in the morning, and there was yeah a guy, it was pretty early. He pulled in and I saw pinball machines in the back. Yeah, I saw this guy.
0: That's hilarious. So I, you, saw, I saw. If him. you look at the last machine there, that's my Paragon on there. Yeah. So he was. I think. I don't want to give too much away, but he was in there. I think because he was going to the bank to get the money. Yep. So. So um, I saw that's him hilarious. I,
2: I pulled into the grocery store and I saw him and I was like, Oh man, I should flag him down. I want to talk to him about his pinball machines. <laughs> Cause I don't think he had yours by then. Cause he had a bunch in there, but
0: I, yeah, we well, he, he barely fit that last one. The tailgate is down. and It's resting on the tailgate.
2: Yep. And so I, that, that is hilarious. I saw, I saw him.
0: It was really cool. Cause this game has been in homeowners collections now for 30 years. And he's like, yeah, and I'm just gonna go route it. What I think is cool about it is if you go to most pinball places now, mm-hmm. um, They have, uh, you know, there's a few modern pinball machine manufacturers, Stern being the biggest. Yeah. And you'll see a wall of Sterns, you know, three to ten Stern machines, maybe one or two older machines. There's not a lot of places that are going to put the time and effort into taking a game from like this from 1979, Paragon, and uh, put it out there. A, because it's typically not as flashy. Yeah. Even though they're great games. Yeah. And B, it's been around since 1979. Right. Almost 40 years now yeah almost a year shy and um and there's just it's inherently more difficult to keep them running yeah but if you look at their uh website and look at the machines they have some of the new sterns but they have uh games from the early 80s back to the ems electromechanicals which right is before the circuit board days and it's a completely different feeling pinball yep uh, for those of us who you know again uh played them in the 80s and 90s it's the electromechanicals are really cool mm-hmm. but they've got you know the glowing incandescent lights on them and um the way the flippers and stuff everything works it's just completely different so lots of clicks and clacks from inside the machines contactors and relays moving around reels spinning right on uh, and they're like hey that's we'll put them out and let people play them, pay cash and play them. yeah so very cool all right all right guys well that's episode three uh again if you can uh go ahead and get a hold of us if you have any comments questions uh criticisms requests what else
2: rate us on rate us on itunes right
0: yeah i mean rate us on everything on everything yeah at the end of the show i have a little bump now that goes through all of our contact information Yep. um i did add the fact i haven't added yet but i am on twitter now yeah i need to do a much better job of Knowing when to post things, how to post things, <laughs> what tagging somebody, what or, I don't know all this stuff. You're going to have to run me through this, um, Eric.
2: And I'm going to do a better job of leaving better game or show notes in the comments in, on Podbean, so.
0: Yep. So my Twitter handler is at oddball49, but it's the L's are ones because right. I had to make it really difficult to find me. So O-D-D-B-A-1-1-4-9. <laughs>
2: you look like a, like a bot name. It's like a bot. Yeah, I know, right? And uh, then click
0: "I am not a robot," and then you can continue. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Find the captcha, like the four boxes that show a school bus. Yeah, and then you can uh, you can write me. Cool. All right, well done, sir. That was fun. That was fun. All right, and thank you to our listeners. We had listeners from all over the world, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, but if you guys can do us a favor, I mean, the biggest thing you could do is tell your friends about us. Yeah. Um. If uh if you guys have a podcast, let us know. We'd love to 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 collaborate a little. Uh you know, I, one of these days i I've heard other podcasts do this where they'll have guests from one show go to the other and talk and whatever. Yeah. Like I'd love to get to the point where that where, where, I know we're two two real episodes in at this point. Yeah. Uh you know we're not gonna get there now, but I would love to get to the point where we're that involved in the uh in the community and sure. And uh cool. That'd be really cool. All right. Anyways. Until next time, it's, it's dangerous to go alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore gaiden, And you can also follow Eric at dubproject. That's duh project. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com.